Um, talking about cooking, uh, Chef Ramsay's um, kitchen nightmares is fire. This past week, I don't think I've seen the most recent episode, but episode three, I I thoroughly enjoyed for uh, 2023. I'm so glad it's back. Super glad it's back. I stopped watching like years ago, and then I remembered that it came out again, and I haven't kept up at all. I'm more of like... Uh... Uh, man, what have I been watching from him recently? Nothing, really. Well, that's that's a shame on you. Well, he did Hell's Kitchen again, right? He did. He did. So, Jason, do you watch uh, Do you watch any Chef Ramsay? Do you watch TV at all? I don't watch TV at all. I uh, watch shows here or there, but uh, I, I love cooking shows. I, I like cooking personally, but uh, the Gordon Ramsay shows, I've seen them here or there. I think they're hilarious. Kind of just comes in, basically yells at people for thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's uh, it's it's they're pretty good shows. Uh, I uh, I'm more of like a I would say like sci-fi fantasy guy. Just watched The Expanse. Thought that was pretty good. Expanse a lot of people dope. love The Expanse, and that's one show I want to watch. Yeah, I'm excited to keep moving into it. My friends have like read the books. They like hyped them up a bunch. Um, so uh, I decided to go the TV route. I don't have time to read. 5,000 page books, but that's, uh, uh, that's totally fair. It's been pretty good so far. I'm not upset with my, uh, my decision. Well, if you're looking for an audiobook, man, uh, might I suggest Altered Carbon? Uh, I've heard uh, that, that got turned into a TV show on Netflix, right? That was like one of the first big Netflix shows. Yeah, I yeah. enjoyed the very first season and not the second season. It just didn't keep the uh, I couldn't get it. I, it, it didn't catch me. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I uh, I'm assuming have you have you seen it? G have you what seen the show and read the book or just read the book? Only the book. the book. Only the book. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's pretty standard. I I used to think it was snobby to say that, but uh, a lot of the times the books are just better than the better than the shows. You just get more detail in there, more like backstory and stuff, right? Though I'll say this: like I love Jurassic Park the movie, and the novel is fine too, but I like them for different reasons. Uh. Also, Jurassic Park is like my favorite movie. So, you know, there you go. That's a yeah. solid favorite movie. You know what? What's the worst adaptation of a book ever? Was the Aragon book. Oh, my God. That was a horrible movie. <laughs> like It was so, so bad. I used to love that series when I was younger. Like the Blue Dragon Sephira. You know, she was a badass. She grew up and everything in the and she had she, her, her uh, scales were made of gems. So uh, in the in the book or in the movie, she had feathers. And then she flew up into the sky, got struck by lightning and like grew like to her full, full height. And then they killed like some of the main bad guys in the first 30 minutes of the movie. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) This is all these guys don't die till book three. What is going on? I was very upset. Whoa, spoilers there. I mean, I'm sure most of our audiences listened to it or didn't. So. Yeah, honestly, that was one that uh, I never read or got into, but I always saw the book covers. It's like, man, it looks so badass. I should read that book. And just it's actually not bad. It. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's pretty decent. Yeah, but uh, I think one of the best books, uh, other than Lord of the Rings extended editions, those are those are great adaptations. Um, 
I think the Harry Potter number seven was pretty was a pretty decent representation of a book to a movie. Do you guys have any uh yeah book to movies that you guys enjoyed? Real quick on Harry Potter, I'll I'll say this. I think that of uh, the fifth movie was better than the fifth book. Uh I really liked the fifth movie and everyone I felt like didn't like the fifth book, but that was one where I think it might have been the opposite for me. Probably one of the few times it's happened. I feel like Order of the Phoenix was just like a a long read where it was just a lot kind of happening, but also yeah. not. And I just felt like, okay, I can't actually finish this. I but I just skipped. The, <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I think with the movie too, it was cool. Like it's like one of the first times you get to see like a lot of like wizard fighting. Right. Yeah. So like that's always cool. So like in a movie I feel like that's always going to kind of trump the book, like the fight scenes. Um, but yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, I guess like if you think about like, movies or like you're saying movies where you thought the you thought the book was better than the movie. That was the question to go to. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Um, oh man, it's pretty much most of them. Um, hmm. Or no, no. What, what, what movie was, was a good, at least adaptation of the book. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, you said Lord of the Rings already, which is like the mm-hmm. obvious one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would always go to. If anyone asked that question, of course. Uh, I'm really hoping they don't try and make a series out of that. I sort of like rumors that that would might be a thing. Um, but uh, that me, damn, I can't think of that one off the top of my head. How about you? Do you got anything? None. But I kind of want to point something out about Lord of the Rings. Um, it's like the last fantasy movie that tried to stay in the most serious tone you possibly could have. Like, if you think about other uh, fantasy, like high fantasy movies, they tend to crack jokes and stuff and sort of break its seriousness and almost like it's not really a world that exists, but you know you're like watching the story. Where when you watch Lord of the Rings, like they when they're saying like, you know, all all the fantasy stuff, they're like they mean it stone, stone cold, you know, dead face. Like that's exactly the real world here, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. something I wanted to point out. And I think it's a solid point and it also bought me time to to say uh real quick before I forget this. Uh, someone might crucify me for it. Uh, I like Blade Runner better than Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Dang. Uh, yeah. Someone might kill me for that. Uh, no, Blade Runner's like dope, though. Yeah, Blade right? Like, dope. Yeah, and then... Uh, and uh, it's connected to Alien. iRobot? Like, I don't think that was, like... Like, obviously, it wasn't, like, exactly the same, but, like, the books, like... They're very different, but I like the movie better, personally. Didn't read the book. book. Yeah, o- it's only very, the movie. very different. I will say that I think that the Game of Thrones, the very first season, is a really accurate representation of the first book. Like, Which was probably a, one of yeah. uh-huh. the best of all, out of everything, representation um, of the book to a film-esque. But uh, we talked about Harry Potter, and I'm a super Potter nerd, so... I won't try to go down that rabbit hole. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll stick to Kill Team, which is why we're talking about the SoCal Open. Jason, who we have on the podcast, you won the SoCal Open, and this was your very first, and the golden ticket. This is your very first Kill Team tournament, correct? Uh, correct, yeah. I just, just started playing about three months ago. Uh, got into Warhammer in general around then. Um, Kill Team was like something I, I kind of stumbled across, and uh, yeah. A lot of encouragement for the community guys like cam uh when i went when i went to at ease we started doing like a narrative league he went around got some people like a week ago to kind of join the warp surfers right uh-huh. uh get a nice like new socal club going and mm-hmm. uh yeah we were just going out whole plan was have a good time and somehow i won uh but i was uh i was pretty <laughs> the emperor protects 
Right. Yeah. Every game I went into, I was like, oh, you're probably going to beat me. And then it like, it worked out. You know? <laughs> like, I really, and so like, it was kind of nice because I wasn't like nervous at all about anything. I was just trying to have a good time and everyone was like super welcome. So yeah, it was a great time though. Everyone that's, was super cool. That's what we hope to, to, that's what we and the community hope to, to do is to make it very uh, open for people to play and have a good time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking totally. of your, of, uh, of the Warp Surfers, I actually had a lot of people come up to me after your games and go, well, a handful of people that were in the SD area go, is he part of the Narrative League? As if I would know, but I would just go like, <laughs> probably, I don't know, just ask him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's where I met everyone, right? Was the Narrative League uh, uh, that uh, Robert set up, actually, which uh, kind of happened the day of my first game of Kill Team. I just walked into the store. Uh, Cam and his brother were there. Uh, played a game with his brother and then Robert happened to be there as well uh, and he was like oh, I'll set up a narrative league and then it just kind of snowballed from there right like two about two months later I'm playing in a tournament right I also live right across the street so that made it like super low barrier to entry it was like how do I not go to this right um, so that helped yeah that's what I wanted to ask so you said you got into the game three months ago and I remember when we were talking at um, at the venue you had always sort of been interested what kind of pushed you to go ahead and finally pull the trigger on this game. Yeah. So, uh, I had kind of taken, like, I, I've always like played video games my whole life. I was in the magic lab when I was like younger. And, uh, as I got older, I started working more. I was just like, you know, like focusing more on my career and like other things like that stuff that I, uh, felt like was more important at the time than it probably is. Uh, and I kind of like stopped playing games and stuff. And about like a year and a half ago, uh, I got like a bad shoulder injury. So I had to like stop working out and everything. So mm. I started playing games more and I started being happier crazy idea like uh-huh. don't change your life <laughs> and then uh it just like that kind of again snowballed right like started uh just play more video games like playing like magic with like friends here there casually uh and then uh just decided uh around well i didn't decide this but around june the company i was working for declared bankruptcy right which was like mm-hmm. i was like whatever like i was kind of hoping maybe i'll get like severance and i can like just like chill for a bit because i've been like grinding for so long and uh ended up i just had more time on my hands and i was like what's a better time to start something you've always wanted to do it's always been appealing uh, i got into 3d printing about two years ago i saw how powerful it was at my job I'm, I'm an engineer by the way so i was like always using it for like prototypes and stuff and uh I, one of the things i wanted to do was like get a printer and i was like well what can i print with this stuff and i was like oh maybe i'll try like like warhammer right and it was always the thought in the back of my mind it was like i was taking one step closer one step closer and then <laughs> like I, said, I had the time and i was like there we go we're just gonna sink into it and it's been great it's like even just getting the models, building them, painting them, it's like the it's like a highlight of like my day a lot of the times. It's like a nice like stress, like way to like relieve stress. Um, and so that's kind of what got me into it. And like honestly, what kept me coming back was the people, right? Guys like Cam and all the people in the narrative league. Like I was looking forward to like Sundays every week. I was like, I can't wait to go just get a game in, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, it was just like really just like positive vibe on life. And here we are. Wow. And what made you choose uh, Intercession of all things? So when I was first was going to join the Narrative League, I wanted to play uh, Custodes, right? Like, I thought they were badass. And I was like, the first models I painted were uh, some Garzen, right? And mm-hmm. I uh, decided last second not to. Um, and I had gotten enough bits to build, like, five Intercessors, right? Just, like, through, like, some things I'd gotten on eBay that kind of kicked me off with the, the whole hobby. and. Uh, I I don't, know, I don't know what it was. There's just something about him I thought was like pretty cool. 
right? That's really all it was, right? Like really cool. Like I was just like, ah, like Space Marines, like it's new to me, right? So I'm like, everything's like new and awesome. Like you see a Space Marine and it's like really not, I don't think it's the first time, but like, I'm like a kid. I'm like, oh, that's super badass. It's like, we'll play the Space Marines. And then, uh, I don't know, just kind of went from there. I just liked how they played. I like the idea of like rerolling die. Like obviously that's like huge, like rerolls are massive. <laughs> uh, and uh, I like the idea that they had like 14 wounds. Like it made a lot of sense to me. I don't know why. I didn't understand it at the time, but I was like, oh, that's like pretty good. I'd played like a two or three games at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so little things like that. And uh, also I knew they were like one of the easier teams to play. And so I was like, I wanted to play Harlequins. I really liked uh, like the Void Dancers. Um, but I just didn't get to play them enough. They're half painted on my desk right now. Another reason. Um, but the uh, only having six models to think about uh, kind of encouraged me to go with Intercession. Like I liked Beck Guard, the idea of Beck Guard. But I played one game and I was like fried. I was like, I can't. I'm not managing four teams. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's just like no way. Like Colts seemed super cool. I knew they were like really good. But like I wasn't just trying to chase meta at the time. And I was just like, we're going to stick with six models and we're just going to shoot a lot of stuff. Like, that seems pretty good for a first tournament, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a a wonderful philosophy. (laughs) Yeah, like, just keep it simple. Uh, And that's like, that's really it. Like, a lot of the games, like, there was like times where I like, I felt like I blundered like the first turn or even like early second turn. I was like, well, we're just going to run up the board. We're going to score route and we're just going to keep killing stuff. And hopefully, like, it works out. And a lot of the times it does. It's fun fact when you can... uh, shoot twice with a lethal vibe of bolters, you're going to kill a lot of stuff. So that's going to work out for you. Absolutely. Now, um, <clears throat> speaking of intercession, how did you typically, because there's a lot of intercession fans out there and um, mostly me, I didn't think they were S tier. I didn't think they could, uh, they had a chance to win any of these major tournaments because of, you know, I think, I still think that there are a lot of teams out there that can counter them, but obviously played in the right hands. Uh, they can still absolutely be S tier and crush, crush the meta um, just because they stat check everything so well. And with good strategy behind that equals uh, great results, right? So um, what do you typically run on a team? Do you run like the same thing every time? Uh, so that was kind of my initial strategy. It was like, oh, I'm always going to take the assault sergeant, right? I'm going to take gunners with bolters. I'm going to take obviously the grenadier and the the normal gunner or the uh, rocket launcher gunner. Um, but I watched a video, uh, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this on the podcast, but uh, it's by Command Point. Uh, yeah, Command Point. Yeah, yeah, I'm command sure you guys all know each other, right? Like I don't. Yeah. yeah. And this uh, one of the guys on there, or two of the guys on there, um, posted a video on Intercession. It's like a two hour video. So like I have a Doberman puppy who I absolutely love and I take him for like 30 minute walks every morning right sometimes at lunch if I have like work calls and stuff um and if I'm not on a work call I can always like listen to something like a podcast so I, I listen to a lot of history podcasts stuff like that but in this case I was like I'm gonna listen to this intercession thing break it up into a few pieces and I just love the dude's entire philosophy on how to play the team and this is me like listening to it like a week or two before the tournament I was like this makes sense right and he talks about like how you should like lead into shooting a lot and how that's like actually better. And so I was like, that was kind of my strategy it was like 99% of the time I'm taking like the the gunner leader, right? Three gunners or three uh, like intercessor warriors and then the, the gunner with the grenade launcher. And then obviously you're taking the grenade. You're never not taking um, And that's what I ran a lot of the time. I had never played Into the Dark. So I 
I just kind of had a gut feeling like it was going to be more. Um, I say I haven't. Literally the night before, I was able to play one game, like two turns of it. Um, so I was like, going to run more of the Warriors. But most of the games were like heavy shooting. Um, and it, it just like works out. Like I feel like the thing I thought about was like I can charge right eight inches and like attack people like and fight twice if i like like charge to double charge someone but or i can move seven inches with rapid and then i'll be within two inches of someone behind cover and i can shoot them twice right and if they kill me i get to shoot again on whoever shot at me most likely um and so uh it's almost like you're still kind of playing it the same way it's just like a little safer that makes sense and also gives you the option of like hanging someone back uh, I felt like that was super helpful. Like I just hang one of the guys with like the scopes back or when I played legionaries, I hung the doom bolter back and like run a unit up, do some like decent damage. And it's like when you run the numbers against like a 12 wound legionnaire versus like a seven or eight wound legionnaire, it's like, I can probably come up and like double tap like two units if I've like weakened them enough. Um, again, the numbers don't say that's like the best thing to do, but I feel like uh, that strategy worked out super well for me. Uh, could just be beginner's luck too. Like, could be talking out my ass, right? No, I think I mean, you. I think you got it perfect. Like, I mean, screw the numbers. Look, uh, Dakota was saying something, and other people have said something about intercession before. And uh, here you come, newcomer. You understood your strategy. You went by the numbers, or maybe you didn't go by the numbers. What people said, and uh, look what you did. You know? Yeah, I. I also feel like the. Uh, I don't know why, but the idea of like having. First of all, I the only model I've kit bashed so far was the <laughs> the intercessor sergeant, like or the. Uh, the, the the shooting sergeant right has a power weapon and so uh with the, axe, like right? another, with the axe right so it's like i have like a custode axe that i like chopped up and kind of like kit bashed on there it's one of the first things i did i don't know i kind of like that so like again rule of cool like i'm just trying to have a good time and i was like you yeah, know these are the boys i'm bringing to the table like let's do it um i also what's cool about playing in narrative leagues is like there's obviously modifications that you get to your units right and so one of the the things you can do is like you level something up you get a battle honor and you can have all your guys with boulders shooting on twos, right? And so I saw how powerful that was against a lot of teams. Um, so just having that in your back pocket where you can kind of play them either way, it kind of gives you like flexibility seeing how the game's going um, is always nice. And it's always good if he scores like Robin Ransack. He has the extra wound. Like that helped me one game. That was huge. So uh, stuff like that. I think it's, uh, I don't know. The, honestly, uh, Robert gave me like a pretty good, uh, strategy and i know g you said you mentioned this but running rapid and accurate accurate was huge against colts that guard teams like that five up saves orcs i think it probably saved me a ton right like i mean that's amazing that they don't just get to retain a die like right they have a five up save like that's so good and if you're running all bolt weapons and you're shooting twice that's procking a lot oh yeah. and you got three scopes right so now you're <laughs> it's pretty nutty uh when you see it happen and it helped a lot versus nurgle legionary too because they're i didn't i mean a lot of these teams i had only put against a handful of times right but they're like if they can't retain the cover state they can't flip that to a crit right so that's super helpful that they're not able to flip that to a crit for free using i think it's one of their strategic ploys right for nurgle um yeah 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 right so like that was super helpful so like you're just you're kind of like cheating a few extra damage through every time you shoot um and where it's super helpful is with the, uh, the gunner leader uh, against um, if you take the auto bolter on him, right? You don't need to like play him within doctrine range. You have, again, more flexibility with this like pretty powerful unit. And versus uh, um, Colts, which I had to play twice, 
he was like an MVP both games, right? Um, so you're you're essentially um, relentless because you're rerolling ones and hitting on twos. You're doing that twice, and uh, with him, you're not taking this out in that situation. I wouldn't take this scope, but like I'm also running him up the board because he's got the power weapon. So he's usually within two again. That's that whole nine inch charge, and then you're hitting on twos and rerolling ones. Like you're guaranteed to kill two miles. So it's just like run up the board. Kill as many as you can, try and prevent them from getting to your back line, and you'll take their points at the end of the turn. Um, that's kind of the same strategy I used every time. I also noticed, like, if you look at the boards, if you, like, rotate them, like, 90 degrees, you're shooting from, like, left to right versus, like, deployment zone to deployment zone. It tends to be a lot better, like, uh, I guess, like, kill zones. Like, you have a lot more angles with, like, the longer range weapons. Um, maybe that's just, like, a false perception. I haven't, like, actually confirmed that, but that's how I always <laughs> felt. So that was, like, a strategy where I always thought I'm kind of trying to turn the board and kind of see what happens but usually at that point but they're not in a lot of cover a lot of obscurity if you're playing it right um it just it worked out right like i keep saying like i've run the numbers but it, it worked out and it was pretty consistent every game um i ran into like similar situations um the only one i had to play real differently was against that guard where my whole strategy was like i'm gonna hang i'm gonna like run two strong units up one side which was and the um the gunner leader and the uh uh Rocket launcher guy, I'm like, I'm gonna run them up one side of the board, just win that win that side, right? They're gonna be on the opposite side of the demo, dude. Run them up the board. And then I'm just gonna hang back, right? Because he needs to push up and play security. He needs to start taking like more objectives, right? He's gonna beat you turn one, turn two on that. But he needs to run up the board. He's probably gonna take central control, things like that. So I'm gonna wait till he like moves units up. He has to start exposing the score VP. And then we're just gonna do what we can, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, again, it worked out, right? So uh pretty happy about that i also had some pretty good roles like that's always part of the game i think it's like one more thing to say it's like always always good roles there's one against game two which is on the stream uh where i had uh torment charge my grenadier uh and whiff on the rolls like no crits and i rolled three so i killed the torment he explodes does like two damage or something like that um my next turn i activate the grenadier i'm able to charge kill a cultist and then i throw a crack at his second torment and I kill it with the crack grenade, right? So big plays like that, like, obviously help. Um, and I think, like, that kind of, like, threw the whole momentum of that game. Uh, and I would say the, the tournament for me, because I started getting confident after that. I was like, oh, like, this is the team I was concerned about. And, like, obviously I had that big play, but it was like, now I'm pretty confident. And kind of, like, snowballed from there. Like, I was able to beat this team I was probably assumed I was just going to lose to, you know? Yeah, I would assume that most... Most people think that intercession lose to cultists pretty decently. Um, it's it's interesting because I usually have a very specific strategy against Felgor because I think that Felgor can be a difficult matchup, but also a very easy matchup depending on how you you would play into them. Um, my my, I have a question: How would you play into Felgor? So seeing as I've never played as or against Felgor, that is a great question. Oh. Uh, right, yeah. So this is like what I'm talking about. Like if I played into Felgor, like would I have known what to do? Like my, it was like five minute conversations with people like, hey, I've never played this team. I have like a rough idea what they've done. Like I might've like read about it or something. And it wasn't a ton of teams, but Felgor was one of them. Um, and uh, my understanding is like, you just try and like kill them like after they've activated. And maybe I'm like completely wrong about this. Like, I don't know. I guess I don't, I so. Short answer to your question, I don't have a strategy for Felgor. I was mm. just going to shoot them and try and kill them, right? Like, that was, like, <laughs> the play. And, like, just just trying to use the intercession, like, bumpers to get me through, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, like, 
uh, I'm sure once I figure out the rules, it's I know there's something with like you have to kill them in a specific order, right? Is my understanding, or there's like a way to kill them so they like go enraged or whatever it is, and then they just die. And like yes. that's that's whatever that is, that's what I would have tried to do, right? Got I'm it. not sure if I would have been able to do it, but like that's the game mechanic, right? Like don't let them get a buff and then kill you, right? You don't want to have to double kill models. Like that's not good for business for intercession, right? You're already probably trading, like trying to trade two for ones against 10 win models. Like they came back to life. That's, that's pretty bad, especially if they're coming in and like damaging someone or like, or even injuring someone and forcing you to spend CP on digital no, no fear, like great, like great strat, like void, but like not something I always want to be spending my CP on. I'm looking to do rerolls most of the time is with any CP um, yeah. if possible or shooting on death. Fighting end of the turn was huge. A lot of people charging my intercessors uh and not fighting for some reason and then not like charging with another unit to just get the buff i i, I didn't get that that happened a number of times and then like one time i was even like hey like because there was clearly no other way they were going to do something so i wasn't like interrupting a strategy i was like you know i can fight at the end of the turn and they're like yeah that's okay i was like all right <laughs> you know <laughs> like you know that only happened once but like a number of times people did it and then like i, I totally get like what the benefits of it but it's like i'm just gonna pay one cp to kill this model which is pretty good like i'll take that you know um and honestly it was my favorite moment of the tournament was when you were playing against the cultist player and they charge you thinking that they're gonna mutate the next turn and you just get you get rid of that option for them yeah it was yeah. my favorite moment of day one and that was that was it like he charged me and he had like uh they're they're like swordsmen again i'm gonna butcher the unit names um i forgot what they're called but the the two that dual activate mm -hmm. um they uh, were behind the blades or something sacred blades or something yeah, yes, they were behind the door, and I think I asked them if they could charge, and I think he said maybe not. I don't know. I just assumed there was a, another unit coming in that was going to charge, so it could hit on like have like one more like better weapon skill. And I was like, that's his play, right? And then he's going to weaken. I'm going to have to pick which one to kill, and the other one's going to mutate and kill me, right? And then that never right. happened. And I, it's funny because we made eye contact, and you saw it for like a few activations, and I, I like I knew it was there as soon as it happened. I was like, great, I'm going to save the CP for sure. No rerolls here. We're gonna make sure we kill this unit. Um, and then you just started like clapping, you started getting hyped up. You did that. I saw you doing that for like other games that people had. It was nice, man. It was good. It was a good effect, you know. Like it happened to me too. Like I ran up and like blasted uh uh, uh one of the vet guard like Meltas in the face and killed it. And I for completely forgot in Death Atonement. Like I knew it was the thing, and I was like, in my eyes, I was like, my strategy was always like, if I have to just kill their gunners, that's what I'm gonna do, right? Like I'm cool sacrificing intercessors to kill the gunners because I'll, I'll take that bet right that i'm going to kill the rest of their units with like a handful of intercessors one or two even um that happens a lot but uh that happened and then like you did the same thing when he in death atonement with the melter right in my face and i was like oh son of a bitch it just came back at me <laughs> i was just like yeah it was but it was good it was a good effect man i appreciate you doing it it was funny because it's funny because everyone forgets about uh angels of wrath though your 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 fight uh fight at the end of the turning point everyone yeah. also forgets about only in death <laughs> yeah and you know what you know what's interesting about that and this is like um people always like everyone thinks about their moves like hey I'm, here's all three of my well like in my case three. but like here's the apl i'm going to use right and you think about all of them in a row and you you announce it like that but what happened a couple times someone would like move onto like a vantage point right like, they buff someone give them like one apl they move onto a vantage point they shoot and then they think they're going to dash down and they're like, it's like a non-reciprocal shot. And it's not right. Like you shoot, if you kill my unit, I'm shooting back at you. Right. Yeah. And that happened a number of times, um, which was, which was interesting. Right. It's like, 
you just throw this unit on a vantage point and they're out in the open. I'll pick up like a killer two, right? Like I'm not going to do it for no reason. And then people try and take shots at it. It's like, well, if you kill it, I'm just paying a CP to probably kill her shot, right? So I'm essentially three for one-ing, which is good in most matchups. Like not that guard, but most matchups, right? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> going back to Felgor, I definitely think that you should practice against them. I don't know if they'll be, because you won the golden ticket, so you're going to Atlanta, but yeah. I don't know if they will actually be there just because they're not like super great, right? I know they got nerfed like recently, like in like the last few months. Um, yeah. Cause, like, like a lot of the, when I first started playing, it was like Felgor and Chaos Colts are out of control. Like that's everything I saw <sighs> when I did like initial research. And so obviously that's changed. Like no one has five up feel no pain anymore. That would have been broken. Like that, I can't believe anyone thought that was a good idea. But, um, yeah, them and then uh, breachers. I'm I'm like hyper paranoid about alpha strikes for some reason. Like the idea, like I have no problem losing the the intercessor if I'm going to gain something for it. Right? That's like even if I'm not gaining, uh, it's not a great trade. Like at least I get something. I flip someone to engage something like that. Um, but they're getting like alpha strike and just like losing a model. Uh, just super paranoid about that. You can see that if like, anyone watches the stream against Jimmy playing orcs, I like overthink how I'm going to get rid of this uh, breacher boy. And it ends up working out, obviously, right? Like, I win the game, but, like, completely overthought that whole situation. So, uh, Breachers are, like, high on my list. I'm not even sure if they'll... They're be a big really team. good. That's yeah. what everyone says, right? And that's, that's my biggest concern is I just don't know a lot of these teams because I just started playing, right? There's yeah. only so much information you can consume. So, my strategy is create, like, a short checklist for every team, right? It's kind of like my thought process in general is always, like, where are your gunners, right? Like, where's your demo person? Like, these kind of... Like anything that you like, I don't want to say it's not cheesing. It's part of the game, but that's how I just, for some reason, like, like label it in my head. Of course. Um, but those things, and apparently breaches are super good at that. And I've just like never played against them, so that's something uh, I'll definitely have to do along with Elgor. But you're right. Like I like, how do I not play against that team knowing it was like top of the meta three months? Ago? Yeah. So I'll give you a couple, at least what I think are tips into Felgor for Space Marines. Um, what you would do is that you. You actually go more, so you can probably go shitty, uh, sh shooting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <please do> <laughs> you can, you can probably go shooty now that you can kill. So one of the deep, the, the nerfs that they got was, um, if you, sh if you kill one of them, if you shoot them again in close combat, um, or if you shoot them again and get a crit, you can kill them, which never used to be a thing. So shooting is probably still viable, but um, I've still always found success defeating them this way as well. You take your, the only gunner that you, the guy with the bolt rifle that you would take is the auxiliary grenade launcher. Mm -hmm. You give him the auspex and then you take, um, you take all assault intercessors and you give your leader a hand flamer and a power sword and a tilting shield. And oh, I would love that, man. I wanted to use the flamer. I, I have a model magnetized with the flamer and the power fist. And like, yeah. I know it's not a strategy, but really cool. I've always wanted to use it. <laughs> so, so, so the great thing about having a power sword is you have lethal fives. Uh, oh, and you change rapid to duelist. Um, yep. So essentially you, you can, with the lethal fives from your power weapon, you can deflect two blades. He hits you once and then you can basically kill the model. Um, especially if they're already low and they charge you. Uh, and then you give out as many other tilting shields as possible. Uh, and essentially you just, 
try to mitigate how much damage they do while doing damage back. And super effective. Uh, usually I take durable though, which is, it, it helps in that matchup as well. But taking accurate, you maybe, maybe you'll find more success uh, with some of the shooting stuff. So I think, I think it's interesting because it's like you said, like, again, you guys know better, Meta's way better than I do. Like, what do you think is going to be there, right? If it's going to be more like horde like teams, more like that guard, Geller Pox, like uh, Colts, if that's what we think it's going to be, even some of the Eldari teams, like, I think accurate makes sense. But if you think it's going to be more like Legionnaires, like, not that it's batting Legion, but like Legionnaires or like Felgor and stuff like that, then you might be right. Like, Durable might be the play. Like, that's what I was running every time I played the game up until one game before the tournament. And, uh, the numbers just made sense. So I was like, all right, I'll do this. And it's like, how many times has Durable saved me throughout that narrative league? I was in. It's never been like the deciding factor. It's nice when it rocks, right? It's yeah. The deciding factor. Yeah. So if we're talking about the narrative, as long as the striking scorpion and um, scout box doesn't release before then. Um... I could definitely see some people taking because it's hard because last year uh, Games Workshop really pushed the really pushed the fact of this is just a narrative tournament and it's not super like competitive. Um, But this year, I think it's kind of changed a little bit. I think that like people are very. It's very like event or how should I say? I think it's very people are coming from all over the world. And if you're going to travel 2000 miles to come and play at this event, are you going to, you know, not care about like winning? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that, if that, if, if games workshops narrative pushing that, is going to fly. So I could see this event being a lot sweatier than it was last year, just purely based off of like what, because people are coming from all over the world. Also, uh, you know, last year when, okay, so this is a little bit of history. So in U S 2022, the LVO, which is, which was the biggest tournament of its time. Um, actually, no, it wasn't. I think it was only 40 players, but the Spaniards came over and they defeated America on our own soil. I was there. I got 16th place. Every Spanish player other than one placed higher than me. I was very upset by this. Um, and Spain won the overall tournament and, uh, you know, uh, I was not, I was not happy. Uh, later that year, I think in November, it was the very first golden ticket and, uh, Orion from plasma spam. He's on the East coast and a lot of other guys, uh, went to the, the narrative with two people from Spain and Orion beat ACE in the final of the grand narrative. And the, there's a bunch of memes that went out of, uh, like Orion's face on like a train, like running over Spain, um, with like steam coming out, like. You know, uh, I don't think Spain will ever forgive us for one of for my the favorite, memes that yeah, were one produced. Of, <laughs> one of my favorite parts about uh, like yesterday was uh, finding out there's like this competition between the U.S. and Spain, 
and uh-huh. kill team. Like I didn't know that was a thing, right? Like yeah, I, I was just showing up the tournament to have a good time. And everyone's like, Oh, what are you gonna do when like about the Spanish? Like they're really good. And I was like, What do you mean about Spanish? <laughs> what are you talking about? Right? It was just like, it was super funny though. Like no one was like a jerk about it, but they were always like, Oh yeah, like they play a lot. Like I was like in my head, I'm like, Oh, it's gotta be the UK. Like, why would the UK not be the hub for this, right? Or like America's super big, like that makes sense. But here it was like Spain, like didn't have that on the bingo card. But it was it was just funny because everyone had the same comment, like random conversations. They're like, Yeah, you ready for the Spanish or something like that? I was like, I, all right, I guess that's the that's the mark, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's 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 funny because um Spain so right now on ITC, Ace has been the ITC leaderboard uh for the past three years. Uh Dan uh, is a British guy right now, and he is number two. And then we have Adrian Bonavento at number three. Uh, if Adrian or Dan or or Ace comes to LVO, uh, any of them have a chance to overtake the fake internet points that literally mean nothing, um, <laughs> other than like street cred for a year, um, or dice cred. I don't know what what would we even call that. Table cred. Uh, maybe? Table cred. There we table go. Cred, yeah. Yeah, I can I can live with that. So like um it's just kind of fascinating to see the progression of where things are going. And if Adrian Bonavento takes, you know, uh the number one spot at LVO, I don't think that anyone's gonna be able to catch him in ITC points, no matter how other because it because LVO is just gonna be massive. So um yeah, it's it's just interesting to to kind of see. And then with your win, once uh BCP fixes the event. <laughs> um yeah, so let's get into the event and how things went and we can talk about uh BCP and and some of the issues. Um so you ended up playing Evelyn first. Evelyn is a a local to us. Uh, here in Santa Clarita, she's come to quite a few. It's James uh, Robinson's wife. Um, how did that game go? Uh, great start to the tournament, right? Yeah, so, she's awesome. She's yeah, awesome. yeah, exactly. The energy was there. I was like, walked up. I was always gonna be like straightforward with people, right? Because I played. I didn't know how this was gonna go. I played plenty of games. People get very serious. I knew it was a tournament, and uh, maybe wouldn't have patience for a newer player, right? Because there are things I don't know. plenty, plenty. I don't know. Um, and she was super friendly. Just wanted to have a good time. I never played against Corsair. She did like took some time to like explain everything to me, right? And start off great. Um, that was that was just like a fun game, right? Like it was just such a good experience. Like I was just really happy going to the next round, right? I can't stress that enough. How that I think was a huge factor. Like I I've never would say that normally for competitions. Like how just having such a good time played such a huge factor. Not because that's not how it should be. It's just like usually when I've been in competitive events, like I'm so focused and like. Like I've been like, like not going to say cutthroat, but it's like, I need to win. Right. Not at all costs, but I want to win with this. It was like the pressure was kind of off, especially after that first game. So that was good. And I realized the power of the aspects on uh, the gunner um, because people just play around it so hard. Like I didn't even get to, I used it once, but like the first two games I took it and just people were just constantly playing around the aspects like so hard. It was like, it was kind of like how I was with like those alpha strikes. I was so focused on them that I just like put that guy in the corner and everyone's like so worried about it. And what ends up happening is, especially with like some of the horde models, and this kind of happened 
with Evelyn is like people start like misplacing units um, in their like setup because they're so afraid of the all specs, um, which kind of like sets them a little bit further back. I don't know if that's like normal, but that's like kind of just something I realized. Like people just put them a few inches further away from where they probably should be. Um, and it results in like them not being able to get points or even at the end of the game, like talk about like running models into the midline and kind of like one side bolsters, the other side just shoots down those kill zones. Um, they're not able to tap my points and things. So especially if they're sticky for certain like uh, missions, like that's super helpful. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, that was like, that was like one of the first games where I realized the power of the aspect and also love the terrain. I'd only put on GW terrain, like, Love your guys' uh, terrain and like the setups and everything. It was very interesting. I guess I'm not as used to so much heavy cover, and I kind of liked it. I thought it was gonna be more of like a pain in the ass, and it ended up being like pretty cool. Um, a lot more vantage points and things like that, and probably like helped a little bit with like the shooting too. Um, and maybe I just have again. Maybe it is like some of the terrain that's out there. There's I had never seen something like it, so props to you guys for that. But thanks. Game one was awesome. A lot of fun. Um, kind of built some momentum going into game two. Awesome. Yeah, I know. We, we we get that feedback a lot when people see our terrain. Like they're like, Oh, I don't know, this seems like a lot of heavy and I'm just like, Hey, can you just you just try it? And then it wasn't like, that bad at all. Yeah. Like you look <laughs> at it. I, I absolutely was one of those people. I was like, This is a lot of heavy train. Like honestly, that's why I ended up taking the aspects. I was like, this is gonna be a huge factor and like uh it, it I mean it was obviously it changed the way I played a little bit, but I it was I liked how it played a lot better than I would say some of the other terrains I played on, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah we 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 really or i really uh focused on trying to design the best that i can currently uh for it and always open to criticisms so if anyone out there hates my terrain uh feel free to let me know maybe i can try and fix it but uh your second game uh was on re-recorded which we will upload to youtube at a later date uh, was against Jeff. Jeff, uh, I think, got third place at LV uh, at so- SoCal Open last year, and he was playing Intercession. Um, nice. He was he pulled uh, <laughs> Cultists, and uh, that was your first win against Cultists. And like first game know, against Cultists, yeah, first game ever. Yeah. So like, it was twenty three to thirteen, and that's like a huge win. And I know that you you talked about it a little bit before, but like, what like how? <laughs> I, I think i think the 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 discrepancy there there's two plays that happened there that kind of caused it so again this is where like rapid comes in handy because it's happened in a lot of games too like people like you tell them hey and, and, and i'm guilty of this when i hear other rules it's like hey like i can move seven inches that's my chapter tactic right like my guys can move seven inches they're they have three activations right so it's a 10 inch like threat range like i said that nine inch like charge range for the double shot um but uh I know it's not actually a charge, by the way, but uh, the first that, like, I think that was a perfect example of like the aspects kind of being like tricky. Like we, you and I, like one of the first times we had a conversation was about how the aspects works versus like an advantage point and through those kind of like obscurities and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like talking to you about it. And it wasn't meant to like obviously adjust the game at all. It was a strategy I was like figuring out as I was setting up, like something yes. I never even had a chance to think about, right? It's my experience. And it was almost like, like I knew he was playing around it, but I saw the power of it there um just how he like set up the models and how he could he wasn't really like in a good position to take objectives in that situation mm-hmm. um like early on and that's like kind of versus those teams that that has been my ex- limited experience it's like they just run up and i'm usually down an initial vp like two to four or sometimes or even like one to five 
maybe that's the the shitty or shooty strategy. I'm always hanging back, maybe. <laughs> um, so probably maybe, maybe there's something to reevaluate there. But uh, no, uh, I think he ran his the the flamer up again. Like not knowing team super well, I knew there was someone on the team. Like I think it's the icon bearer or something like that that has the flamer, and I have to be worried about the flamer. Who are your gunners? Who are the people who are going to delete my marines? Right, like that's and the that's, psychic dude. The psychic dude, yeah, uh, is big. Eight mortal wounds. Yeah, that could be that could be rough. Uh, but the and like again, other like that's mainly especially what's going to like really ruin my team and like identify those units. But when I saw the Melter run up, I was like, I got a shot on this guy. Like, there's a way I'm getting here, and sure enough, kill that unit right turn one. That's huge. That's huge, right? It was a like turn one or maybe beginning of turn two, but it was before it got a shot off. So that's a massive win. Like even if I like lost a marine at that point, it's fine. But it's, I'm not I'm probably not going to. Like odds are, I'm not in that situation. If someone gets too aggressive with that unit, like I'm not trading a marine for it. Most likely, unless they, unless they like throw all their torments at that one unit, and then it's like good. I probably win on for various other reasons. But that was a huge play. And then, like I said, rolling like him not rolling crits with his first like torment into my grenadier. Um, and then me rolling three, killing that unit, not dying on the blast, charging, killing the cultist, and then throwing a crack at the other torment and killing it. Like, uh, that was obviously luck, but that that was probably the game right there, and that's probably where the discrepancy came. Um, I think it was that, and just the setup and the threat of the auspects uh, that that kind of made the difference. Um, and, and the auspects thing is more my own perception. I saw that a couple times, um, but definitely those big plays obviously swung it in my favor, and the whole strategy was just kill as many units as possible like turn one to early turn three and then worry about scoring vp i just try to keep simplifying everything like I, I play a lot of chess and like one of the first things you teach people is like end game right and you do that because the whole goal of chess is once you get up in material you should be like uh reducing and simplifying right because you're up in material and that was kind of the thought process was so i'm going to simplify the game kill as many units as possible and then we'll see how things play out right versus mm -hmm. a team like that i feel like that's all i really can do like there was uh the game we'll get to it, but game five against James was like a perfect example of that. Like I would kill like four units turn one, and somehow we still tied. It was oh, like yeah, I was that. We'll get to that one. That one. That one's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and like maybe <laughs> I, again, like I'm sure there was blunders for me in there. Like maybe there's something I could have done better. But I'm like like there's I played like there's a few again we'll talk about it when we get to it. But like yeah, like perfect example of how like I killed so many units, and it was just still like he's still winning like there's like i don't know what like i don't know what i'm supposed to do here like i'm clearly like up and like it's also funny because you're always running sequel uh, maybe i'm you shouldn't always run but i always run seek and destroy because i think it's funny that you get to choose like between that and security it's like or i could play seek and destroy and just like score points for playing the game right which is like <laughs> that's probably something like maybe they should look at like rules it just seems so obvious to always take that uh as like you have the option for seek and destroy um i'm sure there's like reasons not to in certain situations but it seems pretty easy to just play the game and score points, right? You're already going to be shooting stuff. Like, might as well win for it. Um, but I think that, again, getting back to game two, like, I think that's what it was. I think it was threat of the aspects, kind of, like, moving the setup to my favor. And then uh, that was also the first time, as we were talking about, uh, with G, where he charged a unit and then didn't rush in any others. Um, afterwards, and I was able to fight end of the turn and kill a mutant, which was huge, especially after killing both the torments. Right, because now he has nothing mutated, right? Like he has nothing to kind of snowball like bolts are supposed to. Yeah. Um, which is like I get I that makes total sense how the team works. I think it's a super cool uh team. I'd want to play them at some point. But uh yeah, like that is uh I think those kind of plays kind of made the game that's what made it so one sided. 
Um, but even then, like it was the whole time, I was like, I feel like this could easily be dropped. Like they always had a chance of like coming back. Um, I think another strategy for Colts that I just kind of thought about was just go out and just start deleting like the actual cultists. Like I know that sounds like counterintuitive, but like that's what can do the objectives. Like get rid of everything that can do the objectives, right? Yeah. And like run up the board. And like if they take route and you run up the board and you start like killing all their cultists, like they're not scoring route and then they're not scoring BP most likely if they get overly aggressive. Um, which is like again, someone like some of these players probably aren't gonna do that every single time. Like James was smart though. I started doing that and he just stopped mutating cultists, right? But mm. like that's a I think that's a good situation if they're not mutating the cultists, <laughs> right? Like that's a win. Like even if they're like, yeah, they're gonna score VP, but like it's probably gonna start turning a little more one sided. Like that game I had four Marines left. I still tied it, right? But it was like, I don't know. It was interesting. It's interesting, especially like a lot of this I'm learning, which is super exciting. Like love like learning about the game. And you're just seeing how the different ways it could have played out, how people do things differently with different teams. And it's like it's just yeah, I see after the tournament, like I'm I appreciate the game a lot more than I did beforehand. Um it, which is super cool. Again, that speaks to the, the community and just the good players in the area. Was it the? Do you think it was narrative that provided such so uh, more insight than, and maybe like a particular just competitive player? I think it made me uh, more biased to shooting. Like I said, okay. when everyone's hitting yeah. on twos, like I like and I even said that to like Robert a couple times. I'm like Cam, I joked about it. I'm like I'm gonna develop really bad habits. Because I'm going to think everyone's hitting on twos, right? <laughs> but uh, I still apparently still play pretty similar. And it was like hitting on threes isn't bad. Still pretty good, you know? Um, Absolutely. Right? So uh, it's, uh, I think that was it. It kind of showed me the power of that. Um, and also just like kind of hanging back. Like uh, everyone kept saying to me how it's just like a melee heavy format and stuff like that. And maybe that was just like the people I was talking to. But I was like, well, I like the idea of just kind of hanging back and just shoot, like just shooting units. Like it's like, it's um, kind of more like XCOM at that point than it is like killing a little bit, yeah, just shooting guess, everything, right? right? But that's like, that's probably where I like learned a lot of the strategies, like subconsciously is just playing a ton of XCOM too, you know? <laughs> so your, your next game was against Jeshua, who is playing Legionary. Now Legionary are always pretty decent uh, if they're played well into Intercession. And you ended up getting a draw in that game, 15 to 15. You want to walk us through that one and how that went for you? Yeah, every, everyone was great. I, I would say that that was probably my favorite game of Guild Team that I've played, uh, for sure. Uh, not that like anyone else did anything wrong, but like that was just such a... Every, everything had to play perfectly. I don't think... like We each had roles that like went in our favor right or against us. And it was like very... like The dice didn't decide it, and we both just played like really well down to like the last like activation. Um, like the game ends by me like running my Doom Bolter into a room and closing a door so his heavy gunner can't get to me, our last units. And uh, that's the tie. Who's my Robin Ransack guy, right? Like I had to, uh, in the beginning, it had gone so rough. Uh, I guess like we started in the beginning, like do the setup and I see him put his. So I take versus the elites. Uh, again, just something I learned from the narrative league, but versus the elites, you're taking the uh, headhunter, right? And uh, every time I've done that, I've just baited. I think it's Headhunter where you bait, like the, if you kill the leader within the first two turns, you get two BP. Yeah. Um, so I always take that, and my strategy is always like, I'm going to bait the leader out. Right. And uh, he, so that was like the whole strategy. And I see he's like putting a lot of units to basically swing. He, it's, it's pretty clear that they're going to space run his barricade placement, that he's going to swing to the middle room. He put both barricades in that middle room. Right. Um, and I was like, it was, he had those two gnarly melee units. Like when I played against Legionaries, I've actually won 
except for that one, every game I played against Legionnaires as intercession. And I've played against them five times, probably more oh, than wow. teams. Yeah. So everyone keeps telling me I have this bad matchup. And I played against Nurgle twice, and everyone else was Zinch um, a lot of the times, which in my head, because I'm a shooty team, or I'm always thinking shooty, and I want to play with the lethal five of both there, it's like it kind of gets rid of the P1, and it kind of like doesn't nullify, but it's like not great for the, uh, the, the intercessor sergeant with the plasma pistol, right? Yeah. If, but you're also kind of like forcing the burn a CP every turn to get the four up involved. But anyways, like the the big thing there, I, I found out during the game the power of accurate against Nurgle, right? That was where I was like, oh, great. They don't get to retain this cover save and turn it into a crit. Like, I didn't know that going into the game. I learned that while I was playing oh. it after I first started shooting. And it was like, ah, this really, it's like I took it for the Horde teams, but it played a huge factor because he put those barricades in the middle room, right? So my strat, he put, moved all the pieces in, uh, concealed in that area. And so I was like, I'm going to run my Grenadier in. I'm going to get within two of the guy. Probably not the best strategy of like throwing the crack grenade at the guy that if you're within two, uh, you lose uh, one to your weapon skill, I think it is. Um, or you like to roll one less die. Uh, again, I, I still don't know all the unit's names. Um, but he has that aura around him. And so I throw the crack grenade on him and it whiffs. But now he's an wound model, right? Um, so much different than a 12 wound model. He's, he, I can like single shot him with my doom bolter now. Uh, which is something I was like aware of mostly for other intercessors was kind of the thought process. Um, but uh, it ended up working out. So I do that. Doom Bolter lights up his, uh, his Psyker, right? I think it's a Balefire Acolyte, which I'm always afraid of that piece. Uh, I had a bad experience where it hit me with the blast, like one of the first games I played and like wiped out a bunch of units. It was like a really gnarly shot. And so again, like probably like an unjustified bias in my head against that unit. Um, it's like but, me and the Taka man, the Taka boy. I hate the Taka boy from from uh, the orcs. Yeah, right. Like there's just something like, right. So uh, we're basically fighting on this middle room. But the biggest thing I think was he put his Melta on one side of the board and was running through one of the other like corridors. And then he had his heavy gunner on the other side. And so uh, I also, I talk about like always being paranoid about the gunners. So I was like, I need to say, one unit's going to have to do battle for lack of a better term against this melta but i'm gonna put a barricade on uh or i already had the barricade on the point i'm gonna run this guy up on conceal and force him to run his melta up and then my initial starting point there's like the five squares you can start on i was like i'm gonna keep the doom bolter back there he's gonna bounce between rooms and just kill whoever he has to to hold points right i'm gonna make sure that he's in good spots get some like non-reciprocating shots if possible and he's just gonna like clean up after everyone else has done their job and my thought was it was i believe we we're playing loot um I don't remember if it was loot, but it was like, I'm pretty sure it was, because he had to stand on the point with his heavy gunner who could only move so far, right? So, uh, and still do something. So he was basically like a non-factor in the game. Like, obviously he's still scoring like BP with it, but like the gunner's gone. It's out of the game, right? So now I need to kill his two scary melee units. Like I am, uh, I've run my assault intercessor up. I had a bad experience with the Shrive Talon one time. I forgot it fights first, right? I think it's just called the Shrive Talon. Uh, but That's I blast cool. that guy. And the thought that was a big play because I blast that person and then uh, I run my other assault intercessor up there and I bait the leader out, right? Now I know the leader, he's going to like run up, like kill the assault intercessor. Like, I know he gets like an extra action after he does it, right? But he's going to just plasma my leader. And this is turn two. So I'm like, I want him I was to there for this one. Yeah. I want him to plasma my leader so I can take the overcharge shot into his leader and kill him and score the two VP. So yeah, I traded two units for his leader. But now he's not getting four activations while he's wiping my models, and I scored the two VP on. 
And again, I talk about the uh, the salt intercessor throwing like the the kraken stuff, right, or the at the guy. So now we have the Bellfire's been shot by the Doom Bolter. He's on one life. You got the eight wound uh, guy who has the aura around him in there. He's wiped four of my models at this point, but now I run in with the Doom Bolter. I clean up. He's got to run his Melta around. So I was rolling really poorly too in that game in the beginning. But at the end, he it's funny we call this a whiff on the Melta, but he got a crit and a hit and I live on one life. Right? With a unit on the point. So I'm able to loot. And then where I'd move the model, in order for him to score route, like his last point of route, he couldn't charge me. He had to he had to shoot. And then I'm able to shoot on death and kill that unit so it can't score any more PP. Nice. So just like a uh, perfect example of where, like, the uh, I talked about I don't want to use the no, no fear. It was huge there, right? Because it gave me the movement to move where I needed to and kind of bait him out. Um, and then, yeah, that heavy gunner just wasn't able to do anymore. Like, he had to move it. He had to kill my Robin Ransack guy. Um, or, like, he, I guess he, he pretty much had to kill my Robin Ransack guy. He was able to still loot because he got to the other point with the, the heavy gunner. Um, but he just, just wasn't able to be able to run him out. At the end, I won the initiative, closed the door, game's over. Right, uh, and we ended up. Dr- I-, I thought I lost, like especially after the crack went bad. I kind of run him up and did that. I was like, "All right, did some damage, way less than I thought, but you still got him down to eight wounds." But again, like I said, like now killable with doom. But that was just such a good game. Like every move was perfect. I really appreciated like how he had this strategy. Like he was, he was one of the few people who had like a really good pregame strategy or one that I could actually see. Right, probably a better way. Where it was like where he was putting the barricades. I was like looking at it and like knowing his melee units are like way better than mine. I was like. Uh, this might not be good for me. I'm going to have to do something to kind of shake it up. And that was when I was like, fuck it, we'll throw the crack grenade in there, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was there for, for a lot of that, or for quite a lot of that matchup because it was very, it was that you, you, you had a very entertaining game. Uh, it would have been great to be on stream. <laughs> you were there. So one thing we talked about, which is an interesting play, was uh, you were there when I shot, I think I shot three times at that unit. So I talked about the unit. Yeah. Wounds and it should be easy to melt with the doom bolt there. Uh-huh. Took three shots at it and it's at still the anointed. Three. Yeah, you you okay. shot three times at the anointed outside with, the it, range with the debuff too. Yeah, and he also only had three wounds left, <laughs> like yeah. the entire time. Wild, absolutely wild uh, that that happened. Uh, rolled like no crits, and that's what's about like just not getting good rolls. And I was like, man, maybe I'm an idiot with my strategy, but like you got to plan for like misses and stuff, right? It's all part of these games. Um, but you said that you would have. There's the Balefire in the corner on the point. He was like there and I was just outside the room. I was obviously in charge range. You said you would have charged and fought the Balefire, right? And then uh-huh. fight on the next turn, I think is what you said. And I ended up just trying to shoot him, burn all my CP like an idiot. Well, you're right though. I probably should have charged, fought the Balefire, killed it, and then maybe fought into turn to kill the guy who had three, uh, three wounds left. Mm-hmm. I said I shoot a bunch of times, right? Or shitty, like we're saying now. And I just whiff, burn my CP on rerolls because even doctrine rerolls weren't doing anything for me. And then I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I was told that guard was absolutely useless by everybody. And so I have one more activation. I've shot twice. Yeah, yeah, right? And this perfect oh. I'm like, I'm going to guard. And I knew he had to loot the point. So he loots, again, action. I kill the guy who's on three wounds. Oh, Next okay. turn, charge, rob and ransack on the guy who had won the Bellfire who was left. And then that set up to play turn four, charge, kill him, rob and ransack, loot the point. Next turn, loot, run, close the door, right? So it ended up working out super well. But, uh, I think uh, I again. I, I that was my that was my second into the dark game, uh, and so it was very interesting. Um, yeah, you were also playing on one of our asymmetrical into the dark. So most most people run uh, GW very symmetrical. You know what you do every time. So the the thing about ace um, 
into the dark is that it's very formulaic. It's very much like chess. So, so you'd probably be pretty good at it because with the symmetrical maps, no matter what side you choose, you're typically your first two turning points against most teams are always going to be the same uh, in most situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that for sure. Like the most optimal things. And then like everything else from there is like, oh, what am I going to do? So like, oh, this happened where I didn't expect, or I'm winning here or this or that. So like um, the asymmetrical ones are a lot more, a lot different. <laughs> yeah, it played, it actually, I think it helped me in the final, the final game. Um, when we talk about that, I think that asymmetry kind of helped. Um, I don't think it was intentional help. It was one of those situations where it's like, oh shit, there's a lot of units with that card. I'm going to stand back and like create this like kill zone windows where I can kill as many units that are running up the board. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, it's a, I, I definitely like the open train more. I feel like that just seems more like intuitive. It's more used to what I've like, played with like other games and similar. But yeah. Into the Dark was not as bad as I like had like seen people react to it or like, well, again, I, I read a lot of it and I'd only played, played like open games up to that point. So I liked it. I think it's an interesting format and it's like, uh, it's kind of exciting to think like, uh, I think G mentioned this would be uh get to run the flamer finally into the, into the goats on into the dark. If I play them there, uh-huh. uh, that'd be pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really gunning to use the flamer. Uh, so you played against Eddie, uh, on, uh, game four. He was playing Corsairs. You won 21 to 16. How did that, how did that game go? Did it go pretty well? Uh, that one went pretty well. Uh, I had picked up a kill early because of the auspects. Um, again, I think it was more so like threat of the auspects and he kind of put himself in a situation where one of the units had to get behind, um, it was behind a barricade, but I was able to get to a vantage point and, and kill it. And then it kind of again snowball from there. Like if I go up a unit for free turn one, which um, that's, I'm kind of looking to do that. It's like kind of like a pseudo alpha strike. Uh, again, you're just trying to get like eliminate pieces, like get, try and get up material, or at least be equal so you can win later in the game on VP for primaries. Um, but that one was pretty straightforward. I, I feel like I never have issues against the Eldari teams. Like the only one of the other teams I've played a lot, like I was Void Dancers, but like I feel like I never have any issues playing against any of those teams. Um, yeah, if you, if you kind of get rolling, if you kind of get rolling against them, um, Hand of the Archon is like the opposite. Like if they get rolling against you, it's it, exactly it can become a problem. Like everyone said that was like yeah. Hand of the Archon's like a bad matchup for me. And like, that was one of the, again, another one of the teams I played against them like three times, I think. And I, I've won all three times. And like, yeah, the grenade trick is pretty like dicey. And there's that like one melee unit that's like kind of concerning. It's like lethal four up or something and uh-huh. twice, twice. But like, I, it's, I, I don't know. I don't, I guess again, it might be my own ignorance. I just haven't gotten beat enough by them or something. But if you just don't let them snowball, just don't throw a unit away. Don't let them get like tricky with like all like the, like getting the, the, pain tokens in the dashes i think it is afterwards um if you just don't like give up units you're gonna be fine i feel like you just don't let them snowball like you said same thing as cold don't let them snowball yeah but easier said than done but that's true um yeah so the the game four the beginning of day two the top eight after the top eight cut uh you played james with cultists and you guys drew now the fascinating thing was i think i was on the phone with Emmanuel, and I was. Give it, he was like, oh, give me the updates. So I, I was telling him some updates. And um, the I was walking by your guys' game. I was like, how many cultists are left? Because there was not. Well, I walked by at first. He was like, oh, yeah, it's not going great. I just got four cultists died turn one. I was like, oh, okay. 
came back. He was like, yeah, there's six cultists less left. And I was like, how many space Marines are left? They're like six. And I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. not good. The Auspex, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, strikes again. Um, it was kind of the same thing. Like threat of the, the Auspex was there. Um, you know, uh, yeah. and, uh, it never played a factor in that game. The actual offense never played a factor, but kind of same strategy, right? Like I was, I, the vantage points in the spawn or near spawn where like you have the extra engine movement is interesting. Um, that's something I, I kind of like leaned into more and I didn't really do as much before. And the strategy came from a narrative game where I was playing against pathfinders. And like, that was again, like another team that everyone's like, you're just, you lose to pathfinders on open. That's what everyone said. I was like, all right, sure. Like, I'm not going to learn all these teams. That's when I'd probably just, like, lose. If it's a bad matchup, is that the game I really sink my energy into? Or do I try and, like, learn the other teams, right? So I got to play against them in the narrative league. And in that setup, there was, like, uh, you could take, like, an equipment that lets you climb for, like, free or, like, way cheaper, right? And so what I did was I just parked all my gunners, right, outside the Grenadier, up there he was running up to control the central point for the narrative story and I, everyone else had the zip lines so, and like we had the one i had one guy who had a doom bolter because of one of the rare equipment i just kept like zipping them up shooting dropping down shooting up dropping down right and it was like the same strategy and like i, I it was a pretty one-sided game at that point um which was crazy because again it's supposed to be this bad matchup so kind of having these vantage points where i don't have to run up the board and i kept the one guy with a scope and that guy with the grenadier back on those vantage points, and they were able to like pick up units on the left side of the board, and on my left side of the board, and on the right side of the board, I just ran everybody up. So same kind of thing, right? Very open middle. I'm going to run all the units up one side of the board. I'm going to pick up as many as I can. So when I had that strategy, I noticed that because of his like where his leader placement was, right, he was either going to get shot by the Auspex if he didn't put him like outside cover, or I could run to the very edge of the board and pick him up. I picked up the leader turn one because of the seven inch of movement but I left my leader completely exposed, right? But again, that's okay because now he's running all his models up on the right side of the board. They're jammed. They're not getting to my back line. And then it's like a free-for-all with like the gunners on the vantage point. Um, and that was what was kind of interesting. I killed so many models. I killed so many models. I think I killed four or five models turn one. And then turn two is also a bloodbath. But like he was just, he was just smart and he wasn't mutating his cultist once i started killing a lot of units he started using it to like heal his one torment and stuff like that right which yeah. is very smart because then he was able to score points like i don't think he like i think a handful of times with this torment he like ran into me and attacked me but i don't think he actually engaged combat with almost any of their models which is kind of crazy and like that's all it was was he was just running people up the board and it came down to i had i was able to uh loot or secure uh i, forgot what I think it might have been loot uh and then um get onto a vantage and take one shot with my, with the guy with the scope who was hanging back with. And then the guy was in the midline was the, with the grenade launcher. And I got a shot on a mutant. I had one shot on a mutant and I had one shot on the, uh, one of the, the, the swordsmen and both units lived on one, the mutant because the two feel no pains and the swordsman for one. And that's why it was a draw. Like I could have like killed one of those models before it had the chance to activate and loot and both shots just didn't go off. Right. Like that's a perfect example where I say I can one tap these models and then, it doesn't work out in the game, turns into a draw, but kind of crazy to think that I shot a crack grenade into a seven wound model. Um, and it just, like I said, like that was what it came down to for the tie. Like that was probably one of the times where I was like, God damn it. Like one of those should have gone off. That was the only ones where I was like, <laughs> one of those needed to go off. Right. Um, and that was that, but like him not 
it was really interesting how he was playing, how he was just like not even trying to fight Monolith. Like he was just chasing. And I probably could have, there was a point where I had my like Grenadier all the way in the back. He was my Robin Ransack guy. And also I picked Executioner uh, for that. I didn't want to pick Route because of the long board, right? Uh, it was just super long. So I was like, he might run all his models at the board and I can't score Route, right? Like that's how, that's just kind of like what I was seeing. And, I, and it was like, it made sense. Uh, he ended up saying he did the same thing, which was interesting, where he like had an issue earlier in the tournament where he took Route on that board. He wasn't able to score it because the other person's models were not six inches from their drop zone. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so that guy was my uh, Grenadier again, being super, super in clutch. Uh, he was, um, sorry, I'm just getting a phone call once I pause it. Anyways, uh, he was, uh, that was like probably it. Like I would say, like I could have ran him up and maybe killed, taken a shot at one of those mutants, right? That I said I was shooting at or the mutant that I shot at that I ended up living on one life. But then his torment that ended up killing one of my gunners who's in the back line could have killed my Robin Ransack guy. So I was a pansy and I ran the Robin Ransack guy to the corner of his board so he couldn't get him with the torment. And then the guy ended up living on one life, the, uh, that mutant, right? So I, maybe I could have done that, but it, it was probably going to end up the same way. Um, the die just didn't go in my favor for that one, but uh, ended up a tie. But again, perfect example of how he has like three models left. Like I've killed 12 models and we, we tie the game. Yeah, it's crazy. Have, yeah, like <laughs> I just try and feel like I'm trying to think like I have three Marines left. Like he only killed three Marines, and those were people I intentionally ran into his units. Mm-hmm. And like he still ties the game, but just kind of goes to show how like powerful just having all of those models is. But also I think I, you can see the the mental load on the opponents, having to figure out where to place them all for deployment. That's like again, like talk about the aspects being like it's just one more thing they have to think about, right? And then you're on a clock or you're timed. So like it it uh it was probably, again, I kind of go back to my decision to play uh, Intercession versus the Void Dancers was just like less models to think about. True. You know? Very true. So moving on to the, to the next one, uh, you were back on stream for the next two games. Oh, this one's uh, great. Yeah. So Jimmy Kelly was probably the arguable favorite to win the tournament because he, is, he's, he has, the, I think, the most... He already had the ITC. ticket, man. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, yeah. he won the eighty-seven person tournament uh, at uh, KT, uh, KTO with Custodes on 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 in an all un- into the dark tournament, which is crazy. Yeah, what considered widely considered one of the best uh, players on the on the West Coast. Um, G, do you want to take this one since you uh, you watched the entire thing? Yeah, actually, the first thing I want to mention was you had made a mistake in the scouting step. Was that correct? Oh yeah, this is the obsession with the dynamite. Yeah, um, the the so during the scouting step, I was so worried about the like I said the breacher where I I I knew I wanted the barricade, but I I, I you reveal like a number of die in your hand, I revealed three, right? Because mm-hmm. I I don't know why I don't even I know that it's not three, but I just made the mistake in the moment, right? And you could even see Jimmy's face, like he realized it was a mistake, and like it was I was like, don't worry, man, I'm not gonna try and take it back or anything. Like, this is the competition, like I I just screwed up. And then uh, I, I used to play a lot of golf. And so, uh, which is like, uh, I, I love golf, not just because of like what it is. Like I don't play as much anymore. It's too expensive. But the strategy <laughs> behind it is you're always playing your miss, right? That's the strategy of golf. It's like, you are not good at golf. You're probably going to miss. If you're good at golf, you know what your miss is. So like, but classic stra- like thing that said is like a double bogey is a mistake or a bad shot followed by like another mistake. And that's exactly what that was. It was like, I then dash with the free dash my grenadier forward 
and I can't get him to within an inch of my barricade, which was probably my fault for not putting it within three of that door to begin with. Like I removed the option to use a dash to get there if I needed to, and then potentially lose movement later if that was never an option. But uh, that happens, and then he immediately gets blasted by the rocket boy. And so then I'm like, we're going to go for broke, throw a guy with a scope up high, a vantage point, and like, we're going to start taking shots. That's one of the guys who got shot, and then I was able to shoot the reciprocating shot back before he could dash off, do some damage. And then again, same strategy. Keep one of the guys with like the scopes back, lethal five up, and just like see how things play out. And then you'll clean up the board, um, run people up the side of the boards, right? It, it, it's the same kind of idea. Like uh, it's usually my grenadier and my my leader who are going up the sides of the board, and then um, other units just like kind of shooting and cleaning up. And and that's kind of what ended up happening. Like even that guy back, the units he dashed off were activated now, right? Like I baited them to shoot the guy up top. Um, again, hoping the only thing I was hoping for was units are not concealed anymore as gunners, like sniper and uh-huh. uh, the I think it was I don't think it was a rocket launcher, maybe it was something else. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I forgot what it was, but anyways, like that's the thing. Like now they're at least activated, right? So now they're they're killable. And this is where I honestly thought the, saw the most benefit of accurate was just removing the cover seeds because I feel like uh, I think it was got mentioned, but just didn't get Jimmy didn't get a lot of good rolls on defensive saves. And they're five up saves, right? So like by him not being able to retain cover a lot of times, that was probably the difference maker of why units were getting deleted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's like nothing you can really do about that. You can't not have your units out in the open just because you're worried about them getting killed, right? Like you got to kind of take some risk. You got to move up the board. Um, and I think that was a perfect example of how that worked out. And then uh, one thing I, I took from that game is, man, so many times at the tournament, I charged with a the, the the gunner intercessors and i was like they're hitting on threes three four damage i can kill the seven model or this injured model never man it never worked out <laughs> and like i feel like it should like that's i don't know i feel like that's pretty good melee profile for a unit that can shoot twice i'm like this thing should probably be doing more and it just never works out um it's super interesting uh just something i, I thought would be better as a mechanic uh but yeah uh that one was down to the wire as well uh and uh i think there was one play jimmy was really good because i i asked him like hey anything you think i could have done better and he immediately starts pointing out things he's like clearly the better player right like clearly Uh he's played more has more experience and we just like lost in a big tournament and his first thought is uh i'm gonna be able to like help this person teach him which just kind of again speaks to the community as a whole and like everyone who's there and like he immediately points out things that were blunders and he was absolutely right like with what he was saying too. It wasn't just like petty stuff. It was like really helpful, good constructive feedback. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good game. It really just came down to it. Like all of the, all of the final games, a lot of them did, but all the final games really came down to like the last few activations where, again, a lot of what people have told me, how a lot of my games have gone is like they're decided by the beginning of turning point, the middle of turning point three, right? But almost all of these came down to like final activations and plays and just kind of goes to show uh like again the difference in the competition level sometimes but also like uh just like how how mentally straining four games in a row is like I knew it was gonna be tough i didn't think it'd be that tough i think i played two games of kill team one that got decided by turning point into turning point two the most i had ever played in one day so having to play four games or three games in a row like it really makes you think and you're on like time it, it's a whole different experience but i mean i like it but, like, I like to compete, but it's uh it's super awesome, but it's also cool how you can just kind of have fun with it, right? Like a lot of the guys from the narrative league were there. Uh, like we all kind of went, like I said, to just be like, hey, like 
we're just gonna have a good time and like I felt like a lot of people did have a good time. A bunch of people tried new teams and stuff, but it's also cool to see the tournament players like Jimmy and stuff, like being willing to like, like show people and teach after the games, you know? Oh, yeah. So going to your final matchup, I have not got to watch everything because I, I got my, my computer all plugged back in. As you saw, our uh, recording setup was... Uh, most of my stuff that uh, we, we do recordings here as well. Um, and, you know, I got to take my whole computer, all the lights in my office. Uh, and when I, when, I, when I do that, it's literally dark in here. <laughs> um, but I didn't get to watch the game. I was helping everyone else out. And I, I would come by and check on you guys. Um, how did the demo man kill anyone? And and how do you deal with the demo man threat? Because you played in the final in the final game, Kellen was undefeated versus you, who had one tie. So how how did the finals match go? Because Vetguard are, are are favored in that matchup, but you know obviously the Emperor was protecting. So like how you guys how, did the prayer and everything beforehand? Too? Hey, you could have joined. Yeah. You could hey, have joined. That's why I was Teal. The I found out like I'm joining with <laughs> the lore. I love the warrior and the lore, but like Teal was like Alpha Legion. I was like, oh perfect, this is great. You guys are doing a prayer. I'm supposed to be this like traitor Legion, like masquerading as intercessors. This is a great narrative. I don't, he's gonna smoke me. And I'm gonna smoke him. It's gonna be awesome, right? We're on this boarding ship. It's awesome. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so demo that is a. Uh, like I talked about the paranoia for alpha strikes. Uh, the nice thing is it's into the dark. So there's the, again, first back guard up. So there's like the doorway. So like I, I kind of felt a little bit less paranoid about it. I was like, it'll, it'll take more actions for him. Like at least Did he take more. the confidant? Uh, for what's the confidant do? So the confidant is somebody who can point at a model and then do a GA2. Uh, the like the spotter you're saying it's similar, but he can uh that model can. Point oh, he did not model. take. I don't think he took the confidant. Oh, okay, that might yeah. be his, that might that be might be one of the mistakes. Okay, I uh, it was funny because I was trying to figure out what team to play. I downloaded a like tabletop simulator to try out. That's the only way I was able to play Harlequins, and I tried that guard once, and it was just like it was just so much to think about. Right, it is. Um, <laughs> it really is. I, 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 although I like, it's like cool to have that. I like playing in person way more. So I didn't like use it as much as I probably should have to potentially prepare. I'll probably use it now. Right. I uh, just get more games in, but uh, the, uh, the demo was on one side of the board. Right. And so I set up a barricade on my objective. That was there. And it was a pretty open room. It was like the center room was open. Right. And then my right, Blank was like for the right side was like open completely right and we had like it was pretty easy to put one of the bolters with the lethal five up scope you know, like not like behind a pillar where he should get some pretty good like not obscuring shots or like non reciprocal shots and in order for him to shoot him you have to run up the board so if he wants to run with his gunners up the board please do right that's that's that I'm hoping yeah. for he's not gonna do it he's a good player but that's kind of what what helps I was essentially had one model that shut down the entire like that entire side of my board so those two points he couldn't like really reach he got one turn one like he just had more activation so i flipped the point and he was able to run up and flip it after right which is uh because I, I didn't want to stay in the open because i knew i would get shot so i was like flip a point run back maybe not the best strategy but i think it was good again faded units out so he demoed one of my units and i had that bolter there was able to have the bolter there was able to kill him like right afterwards i just let him delete a marine but the whole thing was i put my grenadier and my leader on the opposite side of the board i was like if you kill one of my guys for the scope or you catch my uh i guess like they're just the guys with the scopes for the only ones he was going to get on that side of the board like so be it you're only going to get one i'm not going to put them next to each other 
And I, like I said, I lose a model. Like I kind of figured that was going to happen some way or another turn one against them. I was going to like lose a model. Um, and that didn't happen turn one, but it kind of like, I saw how it was going to happen with the demo turn two um, on into the dark. So that was the whole strategy. Just like avoid, take your better units, put them on the other side of the board, run up. You can't shoot across the board like you have been on open a lot, but you'll be able to just run up on one side. And then I was just like, kind of like I said, like rolled the die figuratively and literally, uh, ran up my grenadier, was able to blast the melta in the face, kind of tried to play around that, like set my leader up at one point, uh, opened a door, touched a point, uh, and was able to have him there on guard. So the unit that touched the point, if you ran through the door with any unit specifically, it's melta would have had to. I would have been able to at least get a shot off on it with my leader who had like the, I, I don't, I think maybe in this matchup, the leader had uh, a P1 bolter. I think I took all P1 bolters in this matchup. Um, but uh, yeah, like he was just sitting there and probably would have killed the Melta on guard if he had come through the door. So it kind of gave me a turn. I won initiative. He doesn't hit his reroll on the initiative, uh, which is like super good ability, um, by the way. And, uh, I was able to get a shot off of Melta. That's when G starts clapping because I forgot about Death Atonement. But he doesn't kill <laughs> the Grenadier. And now I got this dude up there who's about to like, like now it's like, now we're in business, right? Like I have people in his back line and like he doesn't have enough guns now to kill my Marines. And like once that happened, that's when like I, like after he, like the Melta didn't kill my guy, right? Um, I was like, we're, we're in business, right? You just need one gunner shot. It felt like that was a consistent theme. Like, I'm going to bait a bunch of gunner shots to turn them all on, right? So they're all activated or on engage, rather. And then it's like, one of them, like, if he hits all his shots, he starts melting Marines. Like, there's nothing I was going to do anyways. That's right? true. Yep. Like, at some point, it's game over. So it's like, I got to kind of bait those units out in the most efficient way possible. And I'm still trying to figure out what that is every time, but it, it, it's going to happen. Like, they're not going to sit there and conceal the whole it's trying to like get those units to move out in the open, activate. You shoot on death, like even if you don't kill them, you injure them, so they're they're not as effective the next time around. And you just uh, just keep playing, and it ended up working out. That was another example of where uh, the like central portion of the board just being wide open was like kind of nice. I knew he wouldn't be able to score like central control, and I knew he had to run one of his his spotter up the board. Right. Like when he picked that, I was like, oh, perfect. Like I can kind of uh, like play that unit, like that model. Like I can make sure I have someone in front of that unit or force it to run around. So the spotter was kind of lined up more towards the midline. And then he had to run it all the way around the board in order to get it on my side of the board, or at least like past the halfway mark to score. Uh, I forgot what tack up that was, but in order to score that. Um, so it was a, it was a good game. Escort There's, operative, I think. Escort operative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. So. I think the, the again that was a perfect example of like being able to set up that like the gunner uh, or that keeps saying the gunner it's the intercessor warrior um, uh, that non reciprocating shot position where I basically can shoot both those corridors but he could never hit my guy unless he ran all the way up uh, and with two APL like the, the gunner's not making it there before it's shot so it uh, it was pretty powerful to have that uh, that unit i think that, again that's probably the biggest thing i can think of is like keeping either a doom boulder unit or just like one with the scope back clean up afterwards like you're going to kill most injured models in one shot so you're starting you're just going to start double tapping turn end of turn turning point three turning point four with that model like it's going to happen unless you've completely whiffed in which case the game is probably over right yeah right. Very true. Um, i don't know if you i don't know uh, it's interesting to see like i know like gee you probably saw most of my Games, uh, more of my games than anyone else because I played three on the stream. Anything you saw that I was doing, I know you 
we talked afterwards and you were like, yeah, I take accurate too. Like I said earlier. And I was like, that's pretty sweet that you were thinking the same thing, but any thoughts on like what I was doing or. Yeah, actually I had this big one. I noticed in a lot of the first turns, you weren't taking any ploys. Like you weren't taking that. I think you never took the devastator doctrine once. Nope. Yeah. I was like, Whoa, that's, that's completely left field. Like I don't really see that often. Um, and that threw me off a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So I used to almost like, honestly, like I think I like the game or two beforehand, like the last narrative game and everything was when I stopped taking it because I just never felt like it was worth it. Like I felt like, uh, I wasn't getting a ton of shots off a lot of the times, I guess maybe not in some of the stream games. A lot of the times I'm just taking like, I'm only going to have one unit unengaged. Uh, and I'm, half the time I'm flipping them back to conceal and just moving them up because I don't have a shot. Or uh, I can play more aggressive. That's where I think the terrain came in. That was cool. I talked about using the aspects. I probably should have in this tournament more often. But I like the idea of having the extra CP. Like I would rather not have that reroll early on and let's think how many shots am I taking most of the time turning point. One, right like not not a lot i don't know if i'm maximizing the value of that right right versus like <laughs> i talk about whiffing against game three against joshua right like uh i would have loved to have had that extra cp right like i already burned all my cp without using devastator in that example but like there's more times where i feel like having that for fight on death or uh, shoot on death or like fighting into the turn is like it's so much more valuable like i'm willing to take that trade off to not have like a couple of rerolls um and again, maybe not the right play. Like if people presented good like frag opportunities and things like that with like the grenadier or like the gunner uh, unit that can take the rocket launcher. Uh, maybe if I saw more of those against horror teams would be worth it. But I've never really had good good experiences with frag grenades. Like it's never really been a difference maker. I've always kind of been like, oh, I probably should just shot like the bolter or something uh, with my <laughs> like grenadier. Uh, again, maybe this lack of experience, but I don't see a lot of good blast opportunities. Um, so it just wasn't, it just didn't seem like I was going to like uh, maximize its potential. But that was the strat. Like a lot of people talked about taking Devastator turn one. Like, that was like a common thing. Like, I talked about that uh, man point uh, YouTube video where he's like, yeah, you're taking Devastator turn one. And it just, I don't know, just a gut feeling. I was like, it's not how I'm going to play this one. I'm going to be shooty, but we're going to save it um, for later in the game, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I think- mean, I feel like the way you play intercession is completely different or at least uh, different enough from a lot of players I see. So uh, it's very unique. That also might lead to a lot of your success, right? So like having, having a different strategy into many of these other people is probably leading you to a lot of success just because people haven't played against like intercession. They're so good because they can be played so many different ways. Like we had Lucas at the tournament. Yep. Right, who what where, where did Lucas place? He ran he didn't run a single gunner. He ran <laughs> he ran rapid, he ran duelist, and he just ran at you. And if he died getting to you, so be it. He played them as cor- like they he painted them up as corn berserkers. He just ran at people. It I love was, that. It was funny. Um <laughs> He can still run at people, he's just gotta shoot them twice instead of charging them, man. <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, no, no, like I love that. Like, yeah, like I want, like that seems like a cool idea. Like I had, I think, uh, I think I had five total uh, intercessor, like uh, the assault intercessors on the roster. Like I think I had three normal, the grenadier, and then the leader. So I had the option because I'm, I'm always taking the the guy with the rock. I feel like there's no way you got to take the yeah, the, the yeah. It's crazy. You get infinite fr- like crack grenades and you get to shoot twice. Oh like, yeah, that's insane, right? 
but like um i wanted to but i never ran more than one and like they aren't bad especially but like it's just, it's interesting i feel like there's a place for them maybe it's like you talked about against into felgor and stuff like i just haven't yeah. had that experience yet but like they seem super good <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> you know? so he, he obviously is taking a he i kept saying i was like man just take just take the grenade launcher he's like no i'm playing blood for the blood god and i, I don't care that. and i was like all right cool um but i mean he still plays 17th and he was playing them very suboptimally right so like <laughs> yeah. i mean out of 34 players he placed 50 percent, which is pretty dang good yeah <laughs> the yeah. games he won he won really hard and the games he lost he lost pretty well, hard <laughs> that's what it is like once you're in their face right it's probably gonna be not a good day for your opponent but yeah like it's uh that's that's more feats of famine but i think what you said it's not just it's not just even like with the roster and how you can play the team, like with the rot, like it's what you can do like during the game. Like I changed my strategy a couple, like I had a general, like I talked about the general themes, but like how it was executed was changed a number of times. Like uh, units can fill different roles. That's why I got like, I'm a little like perturbed about like the, the, the three, four fists hitting on, uh, hitting on threes, like not procking. I'm like, I think that's still pretty good. Like I could play this as like, charge fight shoot if i really wanted to or i should be able to in the horde team yeah right so it's like you can just decide that like all right why well, i'm kind of a melee team for certain teams like you don't it's, it gives you there's a lot of flexibility even during the game and i think that's what's that's what's cool about them is they're they're agile they're more robust like they're i thought about being bumpers right like it's uh oh, yeah. i can make a mistake and i can recover from it right um and I can make bad plays that force my opponents to probably make suboptimal plays, right? Uh, and then to take advantage of it, because they're like, why wouldn't they? And now it's like, we're in this interesting position that people aren't usually in. Like, they, I kind of did notice that where people are like, like, kind of like, a lot of times I made movements, people looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, ah, oh, that might've been a blunder, right? But then it, it works out, right? So uh, like I said, that could be part of it. But uh, I really like playing them super shooty. Like, it's just... Uh, they're so good like, at shooting stuff. <laughs> I think, like I just delete models, like especially with the horde teams. Like it's it's interesting. Again, it could just be my experience so far. It, it seems like a good strategy. The guy who did, like I said, that, that command point video, like really it went into probably it, it was yeah. probably Shane or I mean it could be Ryan. That's the that's the only two. <laughs> sure, yeah, right. It's one of those two. So like, but yeah, like it was a like that's that guy's thing. Like I think you take the the intercessor leader because. Yeah, he doesn't have fight twice or the plasma, but like, I know this is gonna sound like blasphemous, but like, is the plasma that much better? Do you think than like being able to just shoot no. someone twice with the bolter, and then also you have a four six power weapon with lethal five up? Like, okay, chainsaw hitting on twos, good, but like four six lethal five up, also pretty good. Uh, yeah, in melee, you're always trading damage back. So yeah. objectively, exactly. like yeah. shooting is better in this version of the game so but in the end as well like um i think when durable was bigger batter in its old self when it in its in its original incarnation oh yeah. and that was just for my own knowledge i think it was like it, it was like it reduced one damage on every crit. every <laughs> yes every <laughs> ridiculous like yeah that's crazy so yeah. like the the melee version was about the same because like you could go up and trade if not like when when me and g first talked about it because like right when they first came out like we had this whole discussion about it because we were actually talking about them like two weeks beforehand we were like a lot of the stuff we came up with like they actually just had in the team 
it was very funny. We orked it into existence. Um, <laughs> nice. Like literally. But like I was telling G that I thought that like a rapid stealthy was the way because I really like I just I just really like stealthy. Um and he really liked, you know, uh rapid durable. And the meta was rapid durable for a long time and uh stealthy definitely sees some play in some places. Um but it seems like accurate uh for everyone listening is possibly the new durable <laughs> yeah it, it yeah. traded places it was durable then it was methodical and then it became and I accurate mean, i mean rapid's even been nerfed <laughs> and you still take dude it was crazy as durable is it's not bad right like it's not yeah you get what well like a uh, figure you get two extra wounds a model like <laughs> that's pretty yeah, good, just right? just that's, about yeah yeah maybe a little yeah, probably average so a little less right but like yeah like not bad but the uh, i can't stress enough how like I don't know. Playing Intercessors, I always felt really good. And before that, I played Custodes, right? So I'm always used to, like, I'm on their saving on twos or threes. And, like, I played, like, uh, having four invulns on Void Dancers with, like, a little, like, even that, I was like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like not being able to save on threes, right? <laughs> like, you know, and then I played, like, Vetgar once. I was like, saves on fives. This is trash. Like, you're not saving anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? Not. Yeah, it's funny how when I get, like, I get a lethal five up on the bolters, I'm like, that's great. You're going to crit all the time. But then you do it, like, for, like, saves. And it's like, it's never going to happen. It's interesting, those biases. But, like, yeah, like, I think that's what it is. It's, like, it, I don't want to say guarantees it because nothing guarantees it, but, like, you're you're probably killing those units on, on one shot, right? If you roll a crit, they're rolling two die, right? You're 3-4, so you're probably coming through and killing those 7-1 models. Like, there's, like, a very, like, I, I don't know if the numbers are exactly. Like, I, I had them pulled up at some point with a calculator, but, like, you're probably deleting those 7-1 models. Oh yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to try more, but I just never, it just never kind of jived for the strategy. I just saw the value of kind of spreading out the team a lot is the bolts on the leader, right? With a ceaseless, like the rerolls. Oh yeah. The horde teams. I wanted to do that really badly. I just felt like the value of having the scope on someone else, especially with accurate, was there, and I didn't want to like overload the leader. I kind of like said I want to be more agile as a team, so I kind of want to spread it, spread the love, so everyone's more of a threat. But I like the idea of that. Like something tells me that that could be like a another option is to do that. Like leave him back instead of one of the other. Yeah, he literally players. will hit like <laughs> almost guaranteed every deleting model. Guaranteed eight shots. You yeah, know? yeah. And I like I like it into the the mutant. Like I thought about it more so because of how many times I had a mutant live on one. Yeah, it's um, annoying as fuck. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> if you just push through like an extra shot, you just kind of ensure that doesn't happen. And that's where you get like the ceaseless, uh, ceaseless hitting on twos is basically relentless. Like that's pretty stupid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four or five damage, shoot twice. Like okay, <laughs> for for essentially free for just being the unit. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, any other tips? Anything you guys? We talked about breachers. Any tips against breachers? You talking about? Uh, well, most shooty hordes are going to be uh more difficult for you i think that breachers a lot of players don't see a lot so they have the breach and clear right so they get a free crit and they get a ga2 and they usually activate like the plasma their melta the grenade thrower like the the problem with with breach and clear is that or blitz whatever it is um is that you just don't know what models they're going to do so a lot of the times like they they it's almost like a weird gotcha because they can explode so much. It's very difficult. Um, but 
in the end, like if you play it similarly to how you played Vetguard, um, you should see more success. Um, because like Vetguard is also a really hard matchup. Another hard matchup for you is going to definitely be the Hearthkin. Hearthkin, uh, a lot of people are saying are getting better and better and better. You might see them at the uh, the narrative because for some reason everyone thinks you know Hearthkin are good right now. I <laughs> still don't think so. They're I mean, the best they're, team at least. They're 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 yeah. they're okay. You know, they're still like a, a solid B team. Of course, I said that about intercession. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I said they were A. I never, I you know, I didn't say they were B. I never said that. Um, but like, they have a lot of AP. Like anything that has a lot of AP, you always have to be a little worried about. So. I definitely say against uh, breachers. If you ever have any of your space marines within two inches of of each other, you deserve to get grenaded. And it's a lot easier to do to say and do that with um, intercession because, like, breachers are really good into vetguard. They're a, a match that I struggle with in particular um, when I'm playing my my quote unquote competitive team, but. I think that you should definitely practice into other shooty hordes on open sure. and into the dark and also on Octarius play on, play so much Octarius. That's, that's that pretty much all it. I played. That's pretty much all I played with like narrative. A lot of this stuff with Octarius. So that's uh, sad. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everyone says. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really run into the dark at GW tournaments. Um, I believe it's because it's too, time consuming to set up like it took me and g like four hours to set up uh the streaming rig and all the uh all the terrain, terrain and, and like you know like setting up into the dark is unless if you sand it a lot which we do even sanding it a lot i me and g were saying like hey like we're gonna have 50 50 itd boards at at lvo i think we have to spend like <laughs> the week pre-building them and having them come in halfway built so that they're oh, easier yeah. to to just assemble at LVO in their current whatever whatever layouts that we want them to be in. So um yeah, I think it's I think the more games you get in because cause here's the thing as well, like is no one knows anything about the US open uh, golden ticket other than the people that have that are invited right like games workshop hasn't come out publicly and said anything so like are they going to be running the new terrain from the new edition are they going to be running into the dark are they uh is it going to be super competitive are people going to come out and ask like you know um are they saying like hey you don't have to bring a competitive competitive team or hey this is what we expect or are they going the the super sweaty route i'm sure that uh, somebody will be reaching out to you soon. Uh, if not, I will make sure. Um, sure. But um, yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be hard because every the other thing that to remember is every region has their own meta. So like Spain has their own meta. Europe has it. America has it. Like America loves commandos compared to other other nations. Um, oh, man, I want to mention one thing. Uh, Emmanuel, if you're listening uh intercession beat commandos i know you know that because we already <laughs> said it but um you said they couldn't 
and uh, well, you probably didn't say it exactly like that, but it very much felt like you said it like that. And uh, <laughs> you know, they they didn't they didn't win. I gotta meet this Emmanuel. I've heard more about him this week. It's so many people have brought him up. Like I know him <laughs> as like the orc guy, which I'm assuming is like what he's trying to go for. Basically, Emmanuel's cool as fuck. So yeah, like, everyone's, everyone's like everyone said, him. yeah. I got invited to the squad games uh, Discord uh, just yesterday, right? Like just kind of finding out of the community. And uh, first few posts were about like. Emmanuel and someone posted the one with like the ostrich or the emu. Emmanuel was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I was laughing so hard. Like I don't even know the guy, but it's just like it was super funny. It was super funny. And I think was, I, yeah, I found that one. I posted that. It was so funny. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's interesting. I, I mean, man, like that's sort of like I don't know. That's I know it sounds crazy. Maybe it's my own ignorance. Like I just think like I keep hearing these things. People are like, oh, they're bad in the orcs. And I, I, I've only played against Orc now twice, right? Total. Um, <laughs> like, even though I knew what they did, like, even the one thing that happened in the game against Jimmy was, like, he moved the, I forgot the unit's name, not, is it the Grot? He, like, the, the, with the grab like, like, hook? With the Grot. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. With the grab hook? Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. And, like, yeah. he, like, does it, and, like, I'm, like, it can do that? And he's, like, yeah. And it's, like, again, he was, like, I was, he was, like, he looks at me, it's just, like, he's, we're kind of competing, and it's, I'm, like, man, it's my responsibility to know the rules, right? But, like, it's, like, uh, I, I've only played it a few times, just kind of showing my ignorance there. But it's it doesn't seem like a bad matchup. To me. Like I think what's interesting is they they hit on fives with melee, which is like meaning only three hits to kill a marine, which is interesting. Uh, which could like very easily happen if you're going to the fists, right? Like they're not going to kill you back um, if you if you roll enough hits, and also being able to charge and conceal is super good if I can't shoot you or on vantage points. I think the hit on threes. Did you say the hit on? Five? No, no, they just do five damage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, they're yeah. they're beastly. In they're combat. brutal. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yep, yep, yeah. But the uh, appreciate you clarifying there. But the uh, I don't know. Like it just, I just look at it and I haven't played played enough games. I'm like I don't know if that's a bad. I don't think that's a bad matchup. Like it just doesn't seem like so, in my head is bad. So, so one thing that the reason why commandos are the big scary bad guys right now. Um, is firstly, Emmanuel made everyone believe in the orcs because he talked <laughs> about them so much. And with True orc fashion. belief become, comes power, right? So <laughs> now the wog is in full effect and people have found out their secret power, which I don't think Jimmy did the entire tournament. I think he did do a couple times uh, sneaky get it twice. But at uh, Tampa and a few other tournaments, uh, a lot of players will sneaky get three times so they will four deploy three orcs and um did jimmy four deploy his knob and then throw a grenade or the dynamite or any other thing to try and delete a a uh Ooh, he he did forward deploy the breacher boy okay with, with, the, the, dynamite. with the dynamite and that's the thing i thought about being paranoid about but that was the only thing he did so so what's what's crazy about the orcs is that you can do like three models so you could and they're they're all different kinds like you could put them up on vantages you could put the rocket boy up on a vantage you could yeah. put the and you can put the sniper boy and you could put a slasher boy or you can put on loot you can put all three on different objectives Which and then they rough. can just start tapping and it's like oh well now i can only tap two and then i have to just contest this one and it's like okay well i'm going to move a different orc and then tap it and then i'm going to charge you you know so it's like they have so much like the ability to abuse the with with that with that specific ploy uh currently that uh when people play them in that way obviously they're abusing the game but uh and abusing the orcs but um that's typically where they start to see like their win rates skyrocket is because of 
you know, sneaky kidding three times. Gotcha. That makes sense. That is super strong. I did, no one did that. I've never done that against me, but that's pretty wild. Um, interesting though, because I always, I felt like uh, just a scratch. Is that what it is? Right? Yeah, it's great. That's yeah. super good. I'd rather <laughs> save the CP. I mean, I understand how like just putting them on objectives and just like doing that or putting a barricade up high and having like your sniper or rocket up there, right? To just like start deleting models is super good. But like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel like just ignore a hit super good when you're a good melee team that can charge and conceal. Like I'd probably save the CP for that, you know, just off the top of my head again. Absolutely. Yeah. But I could totally see how like that kind of cheesy strategy of like four deploying three people would be good. Like how could that not be good? Right. Yeah. I, mean, I was, it's, I was envious playing Colts yeah. against the free pre-move dash. Like he was able to just give that as an equipment. I was like, I'd, I'd spend three equipment point for that sometimes. Like that's probably a good strategy in certain situations that I don't know. Interesting. Uh, what were you saying, G? Um, uh, what was I saying? What was I saying? I, I don't know, G. I, I don't quite remember, about, but I do remember talking about that, saving uh, CP for uh, just yeah. I, I do remember that Jimmy Kelly uh, did only use it once on your game, and it's kind of what I expected, uh, which is sort of good to practice because I'm fairly certain. I remember what I was going to say. Now I'm fairly certain that uh, that sneaky get is probably going to get hit. Oh yeah. I yeah. don't see it's, there's like I mean, no yeah. way it's not, you know? Yeah, for sure. So um, um you know, so every orc player practice using it only once because it's probably the future. Sooner absolutely. than we think, you know. Yeah. So uh now here's the rounding out the podcast. Uh we're adding a new little segment, which is our, our Patreons uh get to ask us one question to two questions a week that we will answer on the podcast. And uh, Rob, uh, Rob McLeod from he's been on the podcast multiple times talking about narrative and other things. Uh, he asked, uh, what do you say on the idea of Warhammer going to uh, dice other than a D6, giving more nuance to hit and save rolls, etc., at the cost of simplicity of a single type of dice? Uh, and this also goes to you because you're on the podcast. So you got to answer this too, Jason. Um, what do you guys think about that? All right. Well, let's look at it like this. I answered the question on there. Uh, I think a D8 is fine. And where I'd probably see the D8 is in defense dice. So let's look at a cultist and a guardsman, right? Cultist uh-huh. is wearing a t-shirt. A guardsman is wearing a slightly more armored t-shirt. So you'd probably have a better save roll, even though you'd have a worse dice that could potentially be harder to roll, like a D8, you know? Uh-huh. So, so in that sense, your guardsman would still have a five up, but now the five up is on a D eight. So there's more chances of success versus, uh, let's say, let's say like a cultist a who has a, a Tyranid or something or a cultist who has a seven up. So you only get two chances now, but they're using the worst defense dice. You know, there's more chances uh-huh. of failure for them. Makes sense. Right. And then as yeah. you upgrade your armor, you get a D six, which, you know, could, you could have similar math on there. But um, the, there's more number choices on a D8, so that can change a lot too. Uh, I would never do it for damage. I think damage has to stay uh, either in a D6 when you're rolling D3 for mortal wounds or something, or in the profile of the weapon. Interesting. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. I never thought about this, obviously, but just how you're describing it, like I think that's where you can get more granularity in there. And if you think about it, the weapons are the weapons, right? It doesn't matter who's shooting them. So it makes sense to keep that more standardized and like where you really need the granularities and the. Uh, the armor or variations there. Um, I think that's a really good point, man. Yeah, it's, it's a fast. That's fascinating. I, I've never really thought about 
um, another dice type for for uh, 40k. I think did they do that in Underworlds or uh, or any no. other 40k well, or games sort of currently? like in Underworlds they use um, symbols, different symbols. Oh, please don't do that. Uh, the symbol, the symbol, the symbol game is real. You know, uh, Star Wars Legion, uh, Marvel yeah, Protocol, a Shatterpoint. Like the the symbol world is a thing. You know, and GW dipped their toes in there with Underworld. I don't know if Warcry has it. I would hope that uh, any Warhammer game would not go more symbol route. I like the fact that like it's just like Ballista skill three up, not like Ballista skill this symbol. You know, like, or this symbol critical, this symbol critical. And it's like, it's like, ah, can we just do numbers? Cause I've used that for so long. I mean, I guess maybe it might be easier for like newer players or, or something like that, or, um, or like critical saves or something like that. That could be interesting. Uh, still would like a number though. Right. Like if I think for games like this, if you're going to assign a new dice, it's got to do something that doesn't fundamentally like mess with the flow of the older edition but it has to add enough that there's a reason for it and and the thing with a lot of gw games is i've had multiple conversations with lucas about this just talking about could you incorporate different dice yeah probably but what would it have to be for for maybe things that don't necessarily um not necessarily affect the game Hmm, this is a tough one to kind of explain like I would use the dice, like I mentioned, for armor saves or for casting spells or you know doing psychic power, something like that, where it's it still affects the game because it makes it difficult or easier to to roll, but it doesn't make it like something super critical. It it, it could ruin the game in that way, you know. That's fair. I think your point, G, before like not just about the armors, but like it's good it, thing. I've never played Big Hammer or anything like that, but like I think about it in any other instance. It's like if you add more granularity there, it allows for like I think. Um, they could probably like nerf or tweak things a little bit more fairly, right? Mm. You can just kind of like give you another like scale, like you can move the lever a little bit lighter, right? Like, and this is just more theory. Like, I don't know where that would apply, but I think your your point about the armor makes sense just to uh, make it a little bit like different and just like tweak it just a little bit, right? Like we're not saying they, like I think of Kill Team, that's what I played. But, like you're not saving on fours now, but it's probably should save better than a cultist, like you said, like, on five right like there's four and a half like you're adding that kind of to the equation and i think that makes sense yeah totally i think that i mean i wouldn't be against it yeah i'd be for it yeah my, my marines aren't going to be affected this they're going to have a d6 and three <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> all right well uh is there anything that you want to shout out jason uh shout out to everyone at the tournament everyone was great just good sportsmanship all through everyone's having a good time love that um you guys were awesome. Uh, met you for the first time, obviously yesterday. Super welcoming, uh, super patient. Some of the rules questions I had, and just like really cool to see you guys just fostering the community as a whole, like encouraging narrative players to come play in the tournament and have a good time. Um, right, like I think all that's awesome, and it's great that you're doing that. And then uh, final thing is a uh, shout out to like Cam, Robert, and then uh, the other people on uh, Warp Surfers, uh, just for being cool like letting me get into the community and and being super friendly and helpful and yeah it was just uh, if it wasn't for them just kind of keeping the energy going i may not have gone to the tournament yeah. so Absolutely. really appreciate that it's really the people man like i know that's easy to say but it, it, it it's what makes the difference it made it such a good time that's wonderful uh, you know shout out to the community guys well, absolutely i mean it was 
it was really cool to see SoCal Open be the biggest that it's ever been, right? I think right before COVID in 2019, they hit 32 players. And the next year after COVID, it was like 12, if that. And then we hit 19. And then this year we hit 34. So SoCal Open is is definitely growing. I think we grew by like 50%. So Again, that has to deal with the community leaders and the players and the the people that they're fostering. Um, you know, like I definitely try to help where I can in that area, but ultimately it is up to those community leaders, especially in San Diego. San Diego had like, I think like 18 people come out, which was which is wild. You know, we did have quite a few people come from from LA, a couple people, uh, one person from out of state, Rob. Shout out to you, homie. Um and, uh, you know, like the community is definitely really strong in this game. And I'm, 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 I'm excited to see more people at LVO. So it's going to be good times. Yeah. And don't forget that, you know, GW also made a very fun game that, that uh, is another reason people will come back in addition yeah. to everything you mentioned. Otherwise I wouldn't play this. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And like I said, appreciate you guys having me on the podcast, just chatting. You've been super cool. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, another thing I want to say is uh, I tried to make a bunch of my own tools for a bunch of kill team stuff, but uh, the stuff you got, Dakota, was it's super nice. The the prize they came out the acrylic like measuring gauges and tokens and everything. Yeah, like uh, great craftsmanship. Just like I, I'm an engineer, I do product development, and it's a super well designed product. Thank uh, you. And uh, yeah, I would encourage everyone to get check it out if you get the chance. It it really is worth it. You know. Um, super cool i've been looking at it like today like what are y'all looking like this is super nice i can't wait to use this i just played seven games of kill team i can't even like think and i'm like man i really want to play just so i can use these new tokens and everything they're super cool yeah so that's really clear nice that, man. that fluorescent green is fucking cool too. oh it's like, beautiful man it's beautiful yeah yeah it's, I, it's one of a kind man i recently just found that that kind of uh like i i've i've i tweaked my my file enough so that it like prints perfectly so that both sides you know you don't have like a mirror image or something like it's it's a super cool set like the transparent stuff is some of my favorite stuff i've been making recently yeah i uh it was super cool man like i yeah, wasn't expecting to win anything so just getting anything was awesome and like yeah it's uh as I said, it just looks so nice like a decoration i was like <laughs> i want to take them out it's it really is great job dude great job thanks well it was supposed to be it's supposed to be a trophy i mean it says you know you're the champion you deserve to have you know something that commemorates your 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 triumph at this place so you know by all means man you you earned it you deserve it great job thanks Congrats. appreciate that yeah thank you guys and I'll uh, I'll do my shout outs here right before uh before I ask Dakota for his shout outs. Okay. Uh so firstly, I want to thank everyone that came out to SoCal and for making it so much fun. And all the random passerbyers too, looking at the tables and asking, what does this do? And me going, Oh yeah, it does that. You know, they were a lot of fun too. <laughs> uh and then of course I want to thank Frontline Gaming. They are an affiliate with us. And first, just for running the event so that we could go ahead and bring this to you guys. That's always a big thing for them. And if you're in the market for any of the new box sets or secondhand models, they do have a website that you can go ahead and purchase all those things. Or if you plan on attending another Frontline Gaming event, such as Las Vegas Open, which is coming up in January, you can go ahead and use a link we have in the description. And anything you purchase gets a kickback to us, which then helps us make more of these episodes, helps us run events, and do stuff for the community in the future. And next... 
If you want to step up your hobby game, check out Goblin's Hut. Uh, they have all sorts of cool stuff from brushes, from different kind of paint tools, and the, the big one, which is the Dirty Down, which everyone loves, which, by the way, they were sponsors of the tournament, and some of those people got some cool prizes from them. So, you know, look out for that. And anyways, if you want to go shop there and step up your hobby game, you can use our code SQUAD10. That's SQUAD10, S-Q-U-A-D-1-0 at checkout. And again, we get a little bit of kickback, which, like I mentioned before, helps us do a bunch of stuff for the community and bring you more cool stuff here. And lastly, I want to thank our patrons. You know, uh, every now and then we get to do some cool stuff for them. We try our best to do as much as we can do for them because they help out us in a more personal way. And um, we really appreciate it. Shout out to the patrons and shout out to the people listening to this podcast. And if you guys just want to hang out and, you know, talk to us or the community in general, we're on Discord, the Squad Games Discord, which is in the link in the show notes. If you're on mobile, it works. If you're not on mobile, for whatever reason, it doesn't. But you can copy paste it and put it in your URL and that works fine. Uh, And if you're looking for any of the work that I'm doing, which is finishing the Casterkin, you can find me on Instagram at Wargaming underscore studios. Again, that's Wargaming underscore studios on Instagram. Uh, Dakota, you wanted to do any final shout outs? Yeah, I'd like to give out three. Firstly, I'd like to shout out um, our YouTube channel and our stream. Um, so our stream is down this week because, uh, you know, we disassembled it to take it to, you know, San Diego, like 180 miles away. But we are <laughs> we're putting it back up to stream some more games here and there. Uh, also, uh, our YouTube will be, you know, have a lot of SoCal stuff, seven games worth of SoCal. Um, a lot of games you'll be able to see uh, Jason uh, crush uh, crush the enemies of uh, the Emperor slash Emperor's Chosen under his, uh, under his boots. Um, and uh, finally, I'd like to shout out Jason and narrative players in general. Uh, I uh, thank you, Jason, for coming to the tournament and winning and showing all of us competitive folks that uh, narrative players have it. And, uh, you know, they can uh, they can uh, they can crush us beneath their heels, too. So (laughs) I I appreciate I appreciate you. And uh, thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, really appreciate it, man. And appreciate you guys setting everything up and uh, giving us the opportunity. Absolutely. Until next time, guys. Catch you later. Catch you later. See you guys. The Squad Games Podcast is a production of Squad Games Entertainment. For more information on Squad Games, please visit our website at lustersworkshop.com slash squad dash games.